coming up on episode 107 of Pixel Gaiden. Cody knocks it out of the park with some sports games. Barbie fashion designer enters the Hall of Fame. Six good games with weird licensing. Eric does some 3D printing. Cody talks to customer support. Eric finds a hidden Game Boy Advance gem. We talk video game comfort food. Cody listens to a book on tape. And Eric plays around in his pocket. Pixel Guide and rocks your body. We are back. End of May. End of May. End of May. End of de Mayo. Exactly. <laughs> End of de Mayo. <laughs> I don't know. 30. What is 30? I don't know. <laughs> 30 uno? 30? Is that 30 right? 31 de Mayo? Don't say, don't say, 13, 14. I oh, don't man. Know. Something like that. Something like that. But we're back. End of May. I am Eric Nelson, one of your co-hosts for Pixel Guiden, and you are... Cody Hoffman, another co-host, and our third co-host... Oh. Oh. Dun, 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 we were waiting for Tim to speak dun. up, but he is not going to be here this episode or this month at all. Unfortunately, he'll be coming back um, next month. So our thoughts are with Tim as he enjoys a month off loading up on video games and stuff to talk about next month. But... If you're looking for retro video game talk and retro-related inspired video game talk, Eric and I are here to pleasure your eardrums with that kind of talk. We got into PG-13 realm there for a minute. (laughs) No, no, no. Pleasure just means it feels good Um, on this show. I don't pleasure anyone for money, buddy. (laughs) I never said I'm doing it for money, man. This is all free. This is gratis. Hey, Patreon guys, we're hey pleasuring you this month. <laughs> so, uh, for the $100 tier. Exactly, we, yeah. Uh, starting off on the right foot here. So, on this exactly. show, on this episode, episode 107 of Pixel Guide, and Eric and I are going to start off by uh, pleasuring you guys with some quick questions. <laughs> where we talk about yes. some Let's do that. video game-related questions that. right up front. Uh, we're yeah. going to go ahead, uh, Sweet Little Patreon song. You heard it last episode. Got another uh, a replay, our Sweet Little Patreon song, a little jazzy number for our Discord, um, not Discord, our, our uh, Patreon subscribers who also get access to our Discord. And there is uh, going to be a Cody's, Cody's Corner segment where I'm going to talk about sports games, retro sports games, a topic which I had to touch on because when I excuse me, think retro sports games, I think boring, but I want to discuss that because there's some gems out there and I want to go into why, yeah. why do I feel like retro games that are sports related are typically labeled boring? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're the ones you see stacked up at retro gaming stores. Like there'll cheap. be a thousand. Yeah, they're very cheap, $2, $3. <laughs> and you can get like two years ago, you can get the sports game for like 10 bucks or something. I mean, you can find them pretty yep. cheap. So yep. yeah. 
And then Eric and I are going to catch up, talk to you guys mm-hmm. about what we've been up to in our retro video game related lives. And then finally, our coup de gras, six good games, where we talk about six games that are good or better. Uh, in this particular episode, we're going to talk about games that are related to very weird licensing. Weird licenses, licensing. Something's weird about the the property they chose or how they displayed that property. We'll find out where Eric and I went with it later. But right up front, we'd like to start everything off with quick questions. Quick questions. All right. And our first quick question will come from one of our Discord uh, followers, which means they are a Patreon subscriber. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric, can we read this one? Yeah, go for it. So this is our latest uh, Patreon subscriber. So thank you. Uh, he goes on our Discord by Retro Dream State, but his name is Scott Partolo. His question is: What games are your comfort food of games? And he says, for me, a Castlevania game or an, or an old FPS like Wolfenstein are my go-to pickup anytime games. So like our comfort food games, like ones we just want to yeah. turn off our brains, play a game. Cody, boom, go. Hit me with it. Well, I like his choices. Those are those are probably fall into my thing as well. I, I do yeah. like old FPSs, especially when you find ones that were kind of good but not popular. And you're like, man, yes. I love this. Because you used to get to dive into it and just start, again, just I imagine myself just shoving fries in my face. Just like, I love this. I want this. Um, yes. For me... When I think of comfort food, I think of basically things where they bring me comfort. I just live in there and I just I can just curl up in a blanket and sit there and just let my mind turn off. So for me, a lot of it's going to be honestly puzzle games. So I mm. think of some retro, any pit cross game, P-Cross, pit cross, yeah. um, all the way back to the uh, Mario P-Cross on the Game Boy uh, there's some a good Japanese one on the Super Nintendo, but today, I mean, Picross is still going on. So these are the types of games where they show you a grid and they say, "All right, there's this many dots filled in, followed by a blank, followed by this many dots, followed by a blank, followed by this many dots," and you're filling in a picture, a little pixelated picture. It's it's exactly what that is. It's comfort food to me. I love, you know, here's the game. There's a hundred puzzles. Start solving them, and you just start working your way through it. Love it. It's just like, I want to consume those. And then you finish it and you download the next one. You do it again and download the next one and do it again. Um, some other games that fall into that for me are the, the Puzzle Quest games, mm-hmm. uh, which are fun because they're like a puzzle game that has RPG elements, even though it's really more or less about the puzzle. Uh, Panel Dupon or Tetris Attack, as it's known here in the States. I can play that kind of game again, another puzzle type of game. But if I had to pick another genre that wasn't just puzzle, I would say Metroidvanias in general. I just love the loop of some sort of action-adventure run-and-gun game where you have to find something and then pull up a map and say, oh, I couldn't get here before. Why couldn't I? Oh, I just figured out how to double jump, so that means I can go back to this part. And there's something about that progression I love. What about you, Eric? Yeah, so when I think of the definition of comfort food games, uh, and this this is going to vary from person to person, but when I think about that, I think about games I can just turn my brain off after a hard day, like a hard, yeah. long day at work. I just want to come home. They're, I mean, I love Castlevania-style games, but they're too cerebral for me, like trying to figure out where to go in the castle and stuff. I, I want a game where I can disengage my brain and just do do the game, right? 
Um, uh, for me, and it varies, it's varied throughout my life. Like back in the day, I would, I would just play unreal tournament, like, like the first person shooter style games. I play unreal tournament or quake, um, something very fast paced though. So the old school ones, like probably weren't really where, where I would steer to. They'd have to be fast paced and something I could just turn my brain on. It's almost like muscle memory, you know, going through yeah. unreal. Gotcha. It was a, me. Then later on, it became games that I played so much. I could just play through them. And it, that would be streets of rage, streets of rage Two, um, more modern streets of rage Four, something like a, um, what do you call those beat em ups? Right. Yeah. Like a beat em up where, I've played it before. I know where I need to go. I know what I need to pick up and who I need to defeat. And I just, I am literally going through it and maybe seeing how far I can get on a single credit or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, so those are probably my two ones for first person shooters, not the super old school ones, but those kind of 90, 90s and 2000s ones like Unreal Tournament. Um, and then probably beat em ups. Yeah. Yeah. Those would be my two. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, the next question comes here from Pajaco sixty five zero two, maker of the Stringy Lori uh, Commodore yes. sixteen and plus four game cover. Uh, if you want to know what we're talking about, check out the last episode of Pixel Guide in episode one hundred six. So he has a question here. Have you thought about this one already, Eric? I'm just curious. Do you have an answer yet ready for this? Yes, I, okay. I do have an answer, but I felt bad because this question requires me to know what is in the. Yes. Video Game Hall of Fame, which I've never even heard of. So I did some research because of this, so I'm going to explain some things first, and then we'll get into our question right afterwards. Okay. So I'll read it first. Okay. Uh, he says, I just saw Barbie fashion designer is going into the Video Game Hall of Fame. Are there any titles you can think of that deserve a place that aren't in there already? So, like you, I didn't know. So I, I looked into it, went, I, I, yeah. I typed it. Uh, the Video Game Hall of Fame, If it, I'm assuming this is, well, I know it's the same one because they just inter- inducted Barbie Fashion Designer. The okay. Museum of Play yeah. uh, is a, an organization who focuses on play and has Hall of Fame is for other things. And they recently, in 2015, started the Video Game Hall of Fame. And there's only been 40 games inducted so far. And I'll get to those quickly. But I went down a rabbit hole, and I had to see what else they had on here. And since, I think, 2003, they've been inducting toys into the Hall of Fame for toys. Now, okay. they have a lot more inducted toys in that, their Hall of Fame. I think they're at 100 and something. Let me read you some of my favorites, Eric. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's some of my favorites. These are, uh, you know, again, there's not that many toys. I think it's like 110, something, something to that effect. Here's, okay. here's five bangers out of those yeah. 110. Okay. Sand. Sand? Sand hmm. is in the Toy Hall of Fame. Okay, I like sand. Ball. Hmm. Well, I mean... You know, yeah, ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's round. A lot of fun. Um, cardboard box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it. You always say the kids play with the box more than they play with the toy. I get That's it. True. These are all completely valid. I just get a kick out of them. Eric, stick. A stick. Well, stick. Yeah, yeah. Sure. you got to play with the stick. Uh, magically, they have the stick, but they don't have the hoop that you like roll the, the stick yeah. in the hoop, right? Uh, next on my list, 
blanket. Yeah, blanket. And we're really blowing our mind with these toys here. And I did add a sixth one because I thought it was a key. Magic the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> a little different than the other ones, but sure. Sure. I did enjoy me some magic cards. Anyways, all right. So real quick, I'll, I'm gonna actually I will mention every game in here because I think it's worth talking about, and there's a reason because okay. we have to. I took this question to heart and took it seriously. Here's some games in the Toy Hall of Fame. Now, what I noticed reading descriptions and everything is these are all legit picks, even if you might not immediately think about them as such, because sure. they all have a reason for being there, not just because they're the most famous, but because they were they created something or made a change, right? So. I'll just blow through these. So the Wii Sports, you know, I won't, I can't go through all of them, but got so many people, so many casual gamers to buy a console, right? Uh, Last of Us on the PS3, uh, Computer Space, which was like the first actual arcade machine. Uh, you yeah. had recently Barbie Fashion Designer, which was big because in 96, it was the first time they marketed a game towards female players. Um, Sid Meier's Civilization, Miss Pac-Man, uh, this one was interesting to me, but Zelda Ocarina of Time. I like okay. this one, Dance Dance Revolution, which was huge, still as huge as this day. Tetris, of course. World of Warcraft, big change there. The Pac-Man Arcade Machine. Super Mario Brothers. Doom. Pong. Grand Theft Auto 3. Again, all huge turning points in the industry. I love Oregon Trail. Legend of Zelda for creating that whole genre. The Sims, again, kind of a big casual gamer thing. Sonic the Hedgehog, Space Invaders, Pokemon Red and Green specifically. Uh, Halo Combat Evolved, Street Fighter 2, Donkey Kong, which is interesting because they just talk about Donkey Kong as a whole, but the picture they put is the little ColecoVision uh, or Coleco art, like mini home arcade, <laughs> that like little blue yeah. plastic thing. But they're just Which talking is very about, limited, yeah. Yeah, but they mean Donkey Kong in general. Tomb Raider, Space War, which is the first video game. John Madden Football, Mortal Kombat, Super Mario Kart, Final Fantasy VII, Microsoft Solitaire. Uh, here's a good one. Yeah, I, could, I could see that. Yeah, oh yeah, no, for sure. How many? That's probably been the most played game. Yeah. Ever, at least, definitely on PC. Uh, Colossal Cave Adventure, which is cool. Uh, the first text adventure, I believe. Minecraft, Bejeweled, Centipede, King's Quest, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, StarCraft, Microsoft Flight Simulator, and Animal Crossing is the one that I struggle with because it's... Anyways, that is the Hall of Fame. Okay. So I'm going to let you go first because I have ideas here and I don't want to take anything you might have thought of while listening to those kind of game changers. Yeah. First one that I see that's on there that and I was working at Prima Publishing at the time, and we were coming out with strategy guides for this game, and it was a revolution in gaming, and it changed a lot of the way games were made and stuff like that, which isn't in there right now. A Command and Conquer, which... Okay, yeah. It was a turn-based game. It was one of the first turn-based... Like, I mean, there were early, early ones like Dune and stuff like that that, that Command and Conquer was squarely based on. But the whole, you know turn like not not turn based the real time strategy games command and conquer was kind of the the heavy hitter there and it spawned tons of sequels and then a bunch of copycat games came out after that um so i think command and conquer deserves a spot in there um i think that uh 
if you're if you're looking at the way systems are and they and and there was that one like 70s style arcade game so um they're definitely talking about hardware and platforms in here neo geo needs to pop in there like a neo geo because it was a modular arcade system that you could just swap out with cartridges instead of having to swap the they whole were ta- they were talking about specific games but yeah i do see what you, i see what you're getting at yeah well i mean yeah i i see what you're saying but yeah, if somehow they can incorporate what yeah the Neo Geo arcade system by selecting a game that exemplifies it or something for sure. Yeah, because when Neo Geo came out, all of a sudden you started seeing that everywhere because because co- coin op operators were like, hey, we can just get this one box, change some of the the marquee on here, and swap out games, and we don't need to have a big truck come in here, pull out our arcade machine, and come back in. So I think Neo Geo in general has to pop in there. Um, the only other thing I can think of is I'm a big sucker for like the vehicular combat style games. Twisted so Metal. <laughs> Twisted Metal, I think, should be in there because it spawned five different sequels. I mean, I, I think Twisted Metal belongs in there. So did Fast and Furious, but just saying. Woof. <laughs> um, so, I mean, those are the ones that come to mind immediately for me. What about you? Some of that I have, I, and I have a huge list, and I kind of cold it down to what were actually important. And maybe yeah. not all these are, but when it comes to like online, uh, I mean, online shooters, right? I would Counter Strike was huge. That was the turning point, in my opinion. Or you could Definitely. say Call of Duty, which made it even that much bigger. That co- whole concept. Um, I'd put Monk- a Secret of Monkey Island on there uh, for oh, just yeah. humor and like you know production in games. Um, yeah. Duck Hunt. I mean, the light gun that epitomizes the light gun. Plants vs. Zombies. If we're talking about like mobile games or free to play games and I mean, they already kind of covered it with um, Bejeweled a little bit to a point, which is another another pop cap game. Yeah. Uh, then I'd love to see a shooter on there, so I just kind of threw Gradius, which is kind of the biggest series of the bunch. But that's what I came up with. Those are good ones. Yep. I think we should just pretty much take over the Hall of Fame. That's cool, though. We should. We should be the <laughs> one. We should at least get a vote on there. Speaking of taking things over... RetroRewind.ca has taken over the market on Commodore 64 accessories and repairs. Let me tell you a little something about Retro Rewind. Not only will they cover you on everything Commodore 64, 128, the Commodore 16, or Plus 4, the Commodore Amiga, they also have the handy color computer line of computers covered, as well as goodies. Uh, I want to specifically talk to you about cartridges, Eric. Okay. The amount of cartridges that are going to benefit you as a Commodore 64 owner and or gamer. Massive here at Retro Rewind. So I'm just going to burn through some of these real quick. If you need a dead test cart to check anything that's not working right on your Commodore, they've got it. They don't just have a dead test cart. They've got the dead test. They've got a dual diagnostic cart, and they have a four-in-one diagnostic cart. So you got options. And that thing's cool because it's got two different sides. So you plug in one side. It has two tools there. You flip it over to the other side. Very cool. They also have the Freeload, which is a speed loader, fast loader, uh, for your Commodore 64. So if you need to load th- something from your 5141 drive, 1541, your SD2 IEC, or your Pi 1541, I use the SD2 IEC, and I have to have myself a Freeload cart in the back to load things faster. Very cool, Absolutely. because they've got some extra uh, extra options on here with their specific Freeload. Not only does it look great, it only costs $27. 
It also has a, mach- a machine language monitor, a disk editor, disk operation tools, a system reset button built right into it so you don't have to f- cycle your system every time, and a switch that can disable the freeload because, as we both know, there's some games that don't work well with the freeload and they'll they'll bind up. Maybe they have a freeload built into the software or something to that effect. So little known fact, Cody, is when I was a kid and I had my Commodore 64, that was my main fast loading thing. Because that's based on the Epic's fast load. Yep. I had that little black and white cartridge all the time in my C64. That's how I loaded stuff from the real 1541 drive. Yep. I've, yep. Got, I've got one as well, but yep. I like this new freeload one because it's got more going on. It's got the reset button and it looks killer. Nice little stubby cart too. Yep. There's more, Eric. But wait, there's more. If you want a Wi-Fi modem for your Commodore 64, also works in the C128, they've got the modem, the Wi-Fi at, uh, what do you call it, AT Hayes modem emulator. If you That's need right. a keyboard tester, you've got a diagnostic cart keyboard tester on here. And if you don't own anything else for Commodore yet, you just got a Commodore 64, you've got to get yourself a Kung Fu Flash. This is a cartridge, plugs into your cartridge port, put an SD card in it, boom, you're loading up games from an SD card. That you popped in there. Bob's your uncle. You're playing games. Yep. (laughs) When you need to load a game right up the wazoo, that's the thing you want. And last but not least, Eric, let's pretend you want to make your own cartridges because you found a really cool modern game. You want to have a cartridge. They're not making the cartridge. Buy a stubby case on here for $3. Buy yourself uh, the board and the ROMs. They're all on here. Um, So you can flash and make your own cartridge I keep saying I want to do it. I need to go on here and just make a purchase since I'm going to start making my own game cartridges because I want to own physical copies of a number of modern releases that have come out recently that aren't providing yeah. their own physical copies. Eric, how yeah. could this deal get any sweeter? Well, if you log into the website, you got to set up an account, log in, and then you use the code PG10, you will get 10% off. 10%? And, and his his prices are already astoundingly low. I mean, they really are. I'm not just saying that even before they became a sponsor, I would log into his website and and wonder how the prices were that low. I mean, he really doesn't gouge his customers. Um, The prices are already low and you can get an additional 10% off uh, using the code PG10. So thank you very much for Frank and everyone else at RetroRewind.ca for sponsoring the amazing Pixel Guide to End podcast. As they like to say, PGP, yeah, you know me. <laughs> uh, Is that Eric, what they're saying? Yeah, Kids on the street? Everyone's saying that. Yeah, Eric, that sounds like it. Yeah. Let's, let's get on to our next beverage real quick, and then we can hop Please. right into our patron song and hear ourselves some Cody's Corner. I've been right drinking on, whiskey right this month because I don't have beers i did not prepare myself with beers so i'm doing a little whiskey tasting but what beer did you just crack open there i'm doing a retro rewind beer from last episode i am having another dos equis amber so no need to really rate it because i rated it high 4.5 out of five mayos i think we said yep out of cinco de mayos you're giving yep, that a cuatro cuatro de mayos yep all right, I'm having but a, a small, a a small quaff of this one. So I am moving on to. So I've already done a bourbon. I, I take it yeah. back. It's a rye. I've done an Irish whiskey last episode this month. 
I am now moving on to... It's technically a Japanese whiskey, but Japanese whiskey, for the most part, is done in, quote-unquote, the Scotch style, right? It can't be called Scotch because it's made in Japan. It's Scotch. Uh, this one's a Suntory whiskey. It's called Toki from the House of Suntory Whiskey, established 1923. And uh, cheers, my friend. Sounds interesting. Cheers. I'm, mm. I'm interested to see how you get on with it. All right. So I've had this one before, and it's good. It's not mind-blowing. Um, it's definitely a – so, like, when you look at it, it looks – it's very light in color. It's a very yeah. – I like to use the word effervescent whiskey. Kind of like mm. you pour it on your tongue, and if you just, like, left your mouth open, eventually just, like, disappear. Um, yeah. It's usually uh-huh. a good thing. Very crisp and clean. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's got that, that strong whiskey flavor, but it's done in a light way. It's kind of a uh, easy-drinking scotch, if that's a thing. I know a lot of people struggle with scotch, but um, it's good. You know, in the past, I was never amazed by it. I never loved this one. It was always kind of middle of the road, but I'm actually yeah. really enjoying it right now. Maybe it's because I just went through uh, an Irish whiskey, which is really not my thing, so the scotch is really just hitting the spot now. Mm-hmm good yeah well it's good it's sweet a little floral and effervescent uh i'm gonna give this one a three and a half tracy medias de mayos i don't know if that worked or not i think it means three was that three and a half or was that 330 (laughs) that's what i'm giving it good considering that a three is average right so a little above average a little above average yeah uh, Eric, let's let everyone know how they can get a hold of us. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D-U-H-P-R-O. J-E-C-T, and you can reach Cody at Oddball, which is at O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can also reach me, that's Tim, at Sanxion, and that's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com and we love any feedback and also please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show we also have a patreon account set up so if you wish to support the show financially you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden you can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every 
supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And this month we're back in a jazzy mood. The steep Mark Richard sign and the vast David Modelac and the breakable Scott Parlo Former Henrik Pushy Roy Fielding and Educational Josh Malone and the edible Matthew Ackerman, Violent Daniel James, the wiry Ten Mark, deranged Eric Sandgren, the pointless Maje Sosnowski and historical. Retro Gamer Nation Pixel Gaiden You know it's gotta be Pixel Gaiden The one and only Pixel Gaiden Inject it straight into my veins Pixel Gaiden Oh, the sturdy Adam from Commodore Chronicles Giddy Parajoid and basic Mitsuyama Charming David Vincent Lyrical Jason Holland And that spicy and stiller Adjoining Mr. Toast The hapless Paul Jacobson Lean Ram, okay, Rom, okay, Soar Brian Arsenal, Tent more. We've got the nutty David Cavalieri. Pixel Gaiden. You know I want to have Pixel Gaiden. Dip it in sugar, mama. Pixel Gaiden. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Pixel be a select star That's the way you gotta do it When you're playing with two players Yeah, you know Hello, everybody, and uh, this month I wanted to go ahead and talk about sports games um, because I think there's a lot of bias, and I know it's not just me, but I know there's a lot of bias against um, older sports titles. Um, Maybe we legitimately don't enjoy them. Uh, Maybe we used to enjoy them, but they're not new anymore, so not as exciting. I don't know exactly, so I wanted to explore that a little bit and also talk about ones I think are definitely worth checking out some games that maybe i have not checked out yet that i hear good things about and kind of uh, kind of what sports titles grab my fancy when we're talking about retro video games um what i will say up front though is 
Um, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing about what is a sport, right? But ultimately, when I'm talking about sport games, I'm more or less talking about the, you know, major televised sports. So I'm not going to be talking about racing games or, um, you know, I'll call them table games like pool or ping pong or things like that. Although ping pong, a ping pong game sounds a whole lot of fun. I think there's a new ping pong game that just came out actually. But, um, so yeah, I wanted to talk because I, I feel like most sports games, you know, that predate any current system are instantly kind of lost to time. They become outdated. Um, I don't know if it's because of, well, I have two, two ideas, you know, you, you go, first of all, you go to a, a used video game store and what do you see? You see a pile of old Madden games. You see a pile of, um, you know, Kings of the beach volleyball or, um, on the NES or, um, I'm just thinking of random sports titles that just don't, don't move. You know, they're, they're blowing them out for 50 cents a cart or whatever. And they can't get rid of these things. And they're also the first cartridges that get, um, cannibalized to create new cartridges for for other games that might have gotten chewed up by the dog or something right um so i i think they're typically lost the time uh in, in in part because they are you know not current teams you know of course baseball teams or whatever you might you know you're still going to have old teams that no longer exist or they've gone through name changes you're going to have players that no longer uh you know the stars of course are exciting still but 95% of the players are, no, are kind of forgotten. No one knows who was on the Orioles in 1984 or whatever. I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's an Oriole fan listening that's all frustrated, but, you know, you get what I'm saying. Um, but then I also think it comes down to the whole, my whole theory, that if it's a simulation type of a game, whether it's a sport game or anything else, newer versions of it are going to be closer to the real thing. They're going to be better at simulating that sport in this case. Um, new baseball games are going to stimulate it better than old baseball games. You're just not going to get the same level of enjoyment out of that game. Uh, which is why I do think that modern titles, of course, sell the simulation factor, but when it comes to older games, games that still hold up, that are still worth playing, that we still enjoy, are the ones that are kind of kitschy or unique to, not just to the time, but just as as an item, you know? Um, you know, for example, I'm going to talk about one game that's a standout for me right now, NBA Jam. It's a basketball game, yeah, but it's not simulating basketball. It's simulating this over-the-top, in-your-face, um, two-on-two, you can jump three times higher, the hoop, things are catching on fire, you're punching people, you're stealing the ball, it's quick, arcadey. Uh, it's an experience all unto its own. It, it it might have been. It, it was called NBA Jam, and it happened to have, obviously, of course, great um, NBA stars for each team, and it had really fun cameos with Bill Clinton and tons of uh, cheats and codes and things you can use, which all you know helped it be successful. But ultimately, it comes down to the fact that it is a kind of alternate sports game, right? A a, a fantasy sports game. It is. It's its own thing. It's not simulated anything, so it remains exciting. Uh, you know, of course, it became eventually N NBA hang time games like that. Um, and that's the same reason I'll, I'll talk about NFL Blitz uh, as well, which is basically a football version of uh, kind of NBA Jam. It's it's um, it's football, smaller teams, very quick arcade gameplay. You can smash people. Um, you can get away with stuff you couldn't in real football, and it becomes very fun. Um and I'll get back to more standouts for me, but really quick, I want to talk about some of the games I played as a kid. 
And it's funny because most of these are absolutely not classics. And they're also not, not games I would recommend. So this, these are games that, to me, are purely interesting because of nostalgia. But even to this day, aside from going back just to go, oh, yeah, I remember that, I'm not going to play these very long. They're not great games for the most part. Um, my first baseball game, really the only baseball game I played a good amount of, was RBI Baseball. I don't know if it was RBI 1, 2, 3, or 4, but I do know it was an RBI Baseball game. It was on one of the black Tecmo um, carts. And, uh, or Tengen carts, sorry. Um, but it's kind of a fun, cartoony, uh, NES baseball game, but it's just baseball. Um, I always had trouble with figuring out how to throw to the right base because, you know, I'd be in outfield and I'd want to throw it, you know, to the, the, the base that's right below me, right? Which is second base. So I'll press it down and hit throw on the ball. Well, that selects home plate. You know, if you want to throw to third, you press left. If you want to throw to the second, you press up. So really, I should have pressed up and throw to throw it to the correct base. Anyways, that's always been a trick for me. Uh, I never understood or I never could wrap my head around with these old games. Um, but when it came to uh, to basketball games, which basketball is my favorite sport, uh, you know, of the main sports, um, I remember playing two a two-on-two basketball game on the NES called Hoops. And it is not good. It is a terrible game. I have gone back and tried to play it. And again, of course, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember these funky-looking characters and uh, kind of some of the, the tactics we tried to use. Because you weren't really playing basketball. You were trying to use the uh, the limitations of the game to your advantage to really play better than the other player. Uh, figuring out where on the court you can kind of go to get a shot off every time or things like that. Um Moving on to the Genesis, I ended up getting a copy of Pat Riley basketball in a trade from a friend, and it was just terrible. Um, I remember the loading screen more than anything else because I'd always pop the game in, turn it on, see that screen, then start it, and then quickly turn it off because it wasn't fun. Um, but then I really uh, splurged and convinced my mom uh, on a rare occasion to actually purchase a video game for me for a uh, for a birthday present or Christmas, I can't recall, but I actually, I talked about this before, but I saw the game NBA Live 97, and I saw, um, you know, screenshots, and it looked amazing. I couldn't believe uh, that a Genesis, Sega Genesis, could do that, uh, only to find out later that that was actually an early PlayStation game. Uh, again, I got my Genesis late. I got all my systems late, and uh, so I actually got the kind of isometric version of the game, which is what Sega Genesis had. But that being said, I had a blast with that game. I played a lot of it. It was okay. Um, I wouldn't recommend it nowadays. I think it's worth the 50 cents or whatever that they offer for it now. Um, but I do remember one reason I really wanted it too. It had Mitch Richmond on the cover, who was a Sacramento King, and that was my team. And it was mind-blowing to see you know, a, a little terrible team like the Sacramento Kings get their star on the cover. So that was exciting for me. Um, when it came to football, um, I'll talk about some classics that I played a little bit at friends' houses, um, such as a, the Techno Super Bowl game, Techno Bowl and Techno Super Bowl, which to this day are beloved by people. Uh, it it's kind of falls into, even though it is simulation, it kind of does fall into that kind of super fun arcadey game. And to this day, you can find every year since you know, its inception has been released with a new roster, you know, through ROM hacks and things. You can play uh, right now. I'm sure you can go out and download Techno Super Bowl 2023, play the exact same game, but with updated uh, teams, logos, colors, and players. 
So uh, if you haven't done that before, it's worth doing. It's fun. Um, but my first game was actually Joe Montana Sports Talk Football, which was a, I believe, a pack-in game originally with the Genesis. Once again, I got it in, in a trade as as long as long uh, as well as that Pat Riley game, that basketball game. But I do remember playing a ton of this with my buddy who had the Genesis about two years before I did. We played Joe Montana Sports Talk Football. He was a huge sports guy. He was really into football and the 49ers because we're that's our local team. Um, and I the key the, the the gameplay was eh oh man I'm big sprites which was cool but you know we quickly figured out the best way to score uh, on this game was literally to run the ball backwards almost to your own end zone then do a big wide U turn and then run all the way forward to the other end zone and that would work about half the time you'd get you'd get a touchdown um, once you break a game you'd have to like train yourself to try to play the game right to make it fun again. And that was the issue here. However, it did have that terrible Joe Montana Sports Talk Football. It had a you know fake speech, which at the time was mind-blowing to us. We had never heard it before. That's the first time I'd heard uh, you know video game speech in a game. So Joe Montana Sports Talk Football. And then really quick, I want to talk about um, I've always been a sucker for video game golf, and I think it started with this game on my Mac Plus a Macintosh black and white computer, and it was called Mean 18. And I always remember the intro to that as well, because it would say, Accolade presents Mean 18, and you hear this whoosh. Um, of course, there was like a 10-second pause between Accolade presents and then when it says Mean 18, because it had to kind of like load more more voice samples or whatever. Um, and it was a, you know, it was a golf game that used the three-click method, which I to this day is the most fun method, in my opinion, where you press it once, the bar goes up, you hit it to select your power, and then you come back and try to hit it against the line to select your accuracy. Um, it's it's a solid little golf game. Had to be drawn in, kind of like leaderboard golf, if you're familiar with that on the Commodore 64. Um, great little golf game. But that being said, for anybody who hasn't played any of these games, I wouldn't recommend them to you today. Uh, they just don't live up, and I wouldn't go out and try to find other sports titles similar to these personally. Uh, what I will want to do right now is kind of lift, list off classic games that I think are still beloved to this day. Um, and I'm sure there's some missing here, but some of the main ones I've already mentioned. Techno Super Bowl. Uh, I have not played NHL 94 myself on the Genesis, but I've heard that is kind of to the Genesis and to hockey what Techno Super Bowl was to the NES and to uh, football. Uh, it's supposed to be a great playing game, really entertaining. And uh, they keep, they update rosters today as well. I have to give that one a shot. I want to give a shout-out to an alternative sports game that I still hear good things about. I've never got very into it, but I remember as a kid thinking, that's so cool. And it was Baseball Simulator 2000, where you are literally robots playing baseball on a real baseball field. But you have all kinds of crazy power-ups and things you can do as the pitcher and I think as the batter. Um I think the robots can get into fights to fight over the bases if it's like a tie at the plate, um, things like this. Uh, if you're an Amiga fan or or big into uh, you know football right soccer, um, the two games that came out came out on the Amiga that are really big, uh, and I think they're on uh, other systems as well. But Kickoff and Sensible Soccer, I have to list those here. Uh, California Games is definitely an alternative title. Title doesn't fit my category as a true sports game. It's really more of a collection of mini games, in my opinion. But um, that one gets a lot of love, of course. 
On the uh, NES, the Nintendo again, Blades of Steel gets a whole lot of love as a simulated golf game by Konami. I'm sorry, golf uh, hockey game by Konami. And uh, definitely one I want to give a, a true shake to. I have not played it. Uh, that might be a fun one. Maybe we'll do a sports battle coming up. And then the last one I want to bring out, again, not really a sports game, although it is in theme, but it's more of a rhythm game, realistically, and that would be Punch-Out, again, on the NES, and also Super Punch on the Punch-Out on the Super Nintendo, which are both brilliant, brilliant games. I suggest everybody give those a try. Definitely games that you want to play on... Um, a system or a setup with no lag. So, of course, for me, that means real hardware on a CRT. You can't have any lag, otherwise you are going to be at a huge disadvantage and probably get frustrated. Um, all right, so what are some standouts that I personally think are worth going out and playing? I already mentioned NBA Jam, NFL Blitz, and uh, there's another one uh, d- directly related to NFL Blitz, Again, I haven't played it yet, but even though I'm going to recommend it, but I've heard of it uh, called NHL Hits, which is basically a hockey version of kind of that NFL Blitz over the top uh, arcade beat 'em up action. Um, you know, we've got to talk about Neo Turf Masters on the Neo Geo. It's a game we all love here on the podcast. One of my favorite golf games slash arcade games of all time. Uh, this is definitely an alternate title, but Windjammers, which is a game about throwing a Frisbee uh, past your opponent into the net behind them. It's like a one-on-one Frisbee attack game. Super, super cool game. Um, again, my love for, for golf, I, I have to focus on the Mario Golf series. Almost all of them are really good, uh, You know, starting with uh, Mario Golf, the 64 I know there was a, a Mario Golf game just called Golf that featured Mario on the NES. It's eh, It doesn't hold up necessarily, but Mario Golf 64, uh, the one on the GameCube, I think it's called the Toadstool, Toadstool Cup or something like that. Great game. And then, of course, they were kind of mimicked by a game on the PlayStation called Hot Shots, which I do enjoy. However, they, they're a little long of the tooth compared to Mario Golf, I, in my opinion, because as you progress through the, the campaign and story, it really becomes kind of, um, if you want to call it, uh, what, what do you call it in an RPG where you're grinding? You're kind of grinding in Hot Shop Golf, uh, whereas Mario Golf, I think you're more, the challenge has a better curve and you're kind of always trying to get better and you need that one more thing to get you that much better to get the next one thing, whereas Hot Shop Golf is more just, you can grind it out. Uh, not quite as challenging or minute-to-minute fun, in my opinion. Um, I have to mention on the Dreamcast, Virtua Tennis to this day holds up as, in my opinion, the best tennis game I've ever played. Uh, I think there's been some, a couple more that have released recently that are supposed to be pretty good. I have not tried the Mario Tennis games. I'm sure they're good. But Virtua Tennis on the Dreamcast, even if you could play it today, the way it plays, the way it feels, you feel like you're playing tennis even though you're really just going up, you know, forward, backwards, left, right, and you have like a shot and a power shot. It's but it feels so good. I don't know how to explain it. You just have to play it. It, it plays right. Um, I have to throw out Speedball and Speedball 2, which, of course, is definitely a fantasy sport game. And that's where I think, you know, sports hold up, these fantasy sports. It's kind of alternate. This is your own sport, your own universe uh, kind of a thing, uh, which, of course, is a, a futuristic game about 
guys in metal seats throwing these metal balls around. Ultimately, it's it's kind of a soccer-style game. You're essentially trying to get it down the field into a goal, but there's all these different ways to score points, and uh, and you can throw the ball through people and knock them over, and it's it's a pretty cool uh, it's a pretty cool time. And then again, this goes outside the major sports realm, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention all the Tony Hawk titles, specifically Tony Hawk two, three, and four, which I absolutely love. Um, for sure, for sure. Uh, a couple of alternate games that I know um, I also love. Uh, Wii Sports. I mean, Wii Sports is a great title. It's what sold the Nintendo Wii. It's what got so many people to buy a Wii. Many people bought it just for this game. It's everything from bowling to uh, like home run derby baseball. They're, it, they're kind of mini games, but with that Wii mote and really getting people together and do it. I mean, it. It would pull up today if we pulled out the Wii and plugged it in and got people around to play it all over again, for sure, I think. Um, on the Mac, Amiga, and other, and other systems, Shuffle Puck Cafe really is a table game, but it's such a great game. It is one I have nostalgia for, but I definitely think it holds up, and it's kind of like a one-on-one uh, smacking a puck with a, a paddle back and forth, kind of like air hockey, I guess. Um, but with kind of more going on with a really cool sci-fi theme. You're in this space bar with all these aliens that you're playing against. Super cool game. Uh, Super Dodgeball is one I haven't really gotten into, but it's the Kunio Kun series. Uh, all the characters from like Double Dragon or um, River City Rampage, and you're playing you're playing dodgeball against each other. This is a Nintendo game, an NES game, um, and I, I think it, it holds up today as well. Uh, a couple other games I've wanted to try. Uh, I've, I've tried Mega Man Soccer. I think it's interesting in theory. Uh, you have these different teams with different abilities, but you're you're the characters from Mega Man playing soccer with different power-ups and things. Uh, I think it was probably done better more recently with the um, that new uh, Mario Soccer game that came out for the Switch, which I want to give a shot to. Another game I want to try is Arch Rivals, which was on the original Nintendo. Uh, I don't think it gets a ton of love necessarily, but the reason I want to try it is it really is kind of a precursor to like NBA Jam. And it's, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, two on two or three on three, small small uh, teams, basketball, where you can literally just punch somebody in the face to take the ball from them. So it kind of started that whole extreme basketball thing. And then if we get out of the realm of classic sports games, um, a few I wanted to mention. We played Golf Story on here. It's really more of an RPG, but you do have those classic golf elements to it the whole game, and I absolutely love those elements, and it really works well in this RPG where you're trying to collect things and beat players and get through this uh, this campaign. Absolutely love Golf Story. Rocket League, although I haven't gotten really, really into it, that's become uh, an eSport of its own. Uh, Rocket League, we're in these big arenas. You're driving cars, and basically playing soccer, like I want to say three on three or four on four soccer with cars, um, and getting the physics right, and kind of jumping the car to hit the ball to try to get to the net. But other people are trying to defend the ball. Uh, there's power, not not power ups, I should say, but um, uh, like turbo boosts that you can kind of gain in different ways and use when you need to. And uh, super <laughs> super fun concept, and it's gotten it's gotten really big. Uh, Definitely, and it's free to try. It's a, it's a. You don't have to pay to download it anymore. It's free to free to play, and of course, you can pay to to get more 
skins and things like that. So, um, Windjammers 2 did come out. We talked about that on the show when Tim and Eric came over for a few days, and we played a lot of Windjammers 2, which is really just kind of like a, fre- a freshen up of the original Windjammers with a few new features. Not Nothing major, but enough to make it spice it, spice it up a bit, make it more interesting. Um, and then I've also played a game which, you know, I didn't end up sticking with it, but I love the concept. And it was made by the same people that made the games Bastion and, um, uh, shoot, what was the other one called? Hades, which is the, the most recent big hit for them. Uh, that super giant games, but they made a game called Pyre and it's got that same kind of fantasy lore, um, kind of dark but fantastic atmosphere with all these interweaving stories and weird creatures and things that you talk to but the ultimate gameplay is going around here and doing upgrades and power-ups and collecting things is all done through this fake game they made called pyre and it's a sport where uh you're on an arena and you're basically trying to if I remember correctly, get the get a an orb or something to the other side of the field before the enemy does to you, and so you're kind of uh, tug of war, kind of pushing it their way. They're trying to push it back your way, um, but it's it's very unique and it's very much its own game that you're not going to find anywhere else. Um, a couple of that I do want to try that are golf related. Uh, what the golf is a game that came out, and it seems like a very tongue in cheek. Uh, kind of play on the the classic golf uh, video game where you start off playing a little bit of golf, you know, with your three-click system or something to that effect, and then all of a sudden these things get added in from other games or kind of homages to all these other video games. So if you love video game golf and you love all kinds of video games, regardless, I think this is going to be right up our alley. Um, You know, I've seen references to, like, uh, uh, what's that game, Super Hot, and uh, just looking at the video here, uh, all kinds of different titles and stuff. Uh, Portal, <laughs> references to the game Portal, which is another one of my favorite games. Um, another one that looks interesting is 100-foot robot golf, where you're these giant robots that destroy cities. And it's more like speed golf. Your goal is to get it in the hole as quick as possible. And it doesn't matter how many strokes you take, but you're giant robots. So if that means destroying a bunch of skyscrapers to get your ball quicker, then that's what you got to do. Uh, really interested in getting to that one, but that's all I have to say on sports games right now. I do want to see if any listeners can give us some input either on our discord or on our email, um, or on Twitter to me directly. Uh, I would love to see if you guys have some recommendations for sports titles, uh, you know, older sports titles typically that are worth playing today to somebody who's never played them before. No nostalgia for that game. What are titles we need to play now? Um, so, yeah, hit me up on Twitter, oddball, that's oddba one one forty nine at on Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter, yeah. My ats and my handles. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and uh, look forward to hearing what sports games you think are worth playing today. Catching up with Eric and Cody and Tim. And although you just heard me yell, and Tim, sadly, no Tim. No Tim. Not this time. Next, next month, month, Tim. We're going to have, have a long catching up next month with two months worth of Tim. And I know one thing he's going to talk about, and I'm excited to hear about it. I won't is give it, it away. Is it a box each month of 50 new Commodore 64 tapes that he's going to go through one at a time? Yeah, I would be. <laughs> I would love that. But no, it's a game he... 
He's been talking about a couple days now, and I know yeah. he's been playing it. I so think I do I know what you're to- talking about. I'm, I'll, I'm excited to hear that as well. But, Eric, you have the first item on this catching up, don't you? Yeah, I do, but you put it on here. So I did put it on here. I put it on it here together. for you. Yeah. So listen to this. Oh, yeah. Wait, that doesn't sound like a video game at all. It's not a video game, but it is It is related in a, in a, in a way. And I, a I'll tell a guidance. story about this. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and bought a, a pocket knife, a Kershaw Cryo. Bam, it's a flipper knife. Easy to open. <laughs> Easy to close. Got a nice little uh, lock on it. Um, so I copied you because you had shown us last month that you were getting into knives and pocket knives and different. I got stabby. Um, yeah, to get stabby. Um, <laughs> but one thing I did want to relate this to a story that in my past. So, oh, look at that. What knife is that? Tell us about that. We don't need to go into all the knives. I want to hear your story. Well, the story is that um, I remember my son came home from um, after school. Like, he went to an after school program uh, until I got home from work. And he was stabbed. And he got stabbed. Sorry, I went the wrong direction with that. My bad. No, he didn't get stabbed. But (laughs) good. He there was a kid there, one of his friends, one of his good friends was there, and he was getting into Beyblades. Remember Beyblades? Do you remember those? The little spinny top things? Yep, little spinny top toy things. But there were all these different models of Beyblades, and you could really get into them and get specialized Beyblades and stuff like that. And you battled them. You you got this little arena, and you would spin them at each other, and they would knock each other around. And there was a whole ecosystem to it. Okay? Yep. But my my son saw that, and he's like, oh, man, they were so cool. And whenever you know my kids get into something a lot, I, I try to foster that. So... You know, we went, uh, we went and he spent his allowance and bought some Beyblades. No, no, no problem. Right. So he goes to school and the kid gave him like grief about it. He was just like, that's my thing. That's my, that's my, that's my thing that I'm into. And really? I can't believe you got into that. Got kind of upset by him. And so my son was talking to me about it and I'm like, dude, when you hear about a hobby or, or a toy or something and you like it, that's the fun of a that's the fun of a hobby is yeah. sharing it. Like it, you get infected by it. Like Especially you see someone, someone you're supposed something. to like compete against with them. You want somebody exactly. to compete against. <laughs> exactly. And so like it, it didn't last long. I mean him and his buddy got friends again and then you know eventually they were playing them so much they got they, they, the teacher taken took away them at be, school. Yeah. Taken <laughs> away and I, I had to go in there and reclaim it. Um but the thing about hobbies, the best part about hobbies, and this is, brings me back to it because this relates to video games too, is when your friends are into them, you stab them. <laughs> Wait, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Um, you get into a, you get into hobbies because your friends are into them, and then you can talk about them, and you have a shared interest, and that's the fun of a hobby, to yeah. me, at least. So anyway, that's my two cents. No, it's on fun because you're like, Cody, I'm thinking about getting a knife, and I'm like... You're going through some of the things you're thinking of. I'm like, all right, well, for my opinion, I like this one because, and I started sending you a video of me like flicking it open and doing different things. And I'm like, so this kind of does it all, but blah, blah, blah. But yeah, going back and forth, giving insight, letting you figure out what works for you, what doesn't. And yep, for sure. And I'm not going to get crazy into it because, you know, I mean, I I do want to get one of every general type of knife. So this is my first, this is my flipper. You're you're kind of at where I'm at then, because yeah, I'm more or less trying to. Get, the thing is, 
the general every general type becomes more and more nuanced. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's when it gets a little more. Yeah. And Anyways. they get expensive. I, they're, they're, some are very expensive. <laughs> I, one time I told myself, hey, I'm going to get one of every general type of like retro video game system. Yeah. And I haven't found then, them all yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's more to get. All of the video game systems. Yep. All the things. That's fun. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you shared that with me, and I'm excited, and we'll have to, yeah. we'll have to talk yeah. about it. And, uh, you've got another item here right up next, though. Yep. More, of, so, more of a saga. This is a saga. Um, and I, I shared this on Twitter and a couple of other. Uh, so some people followed along with this, and I had a lot of people talking about it. Um, so do you remember Alexisms on, uh, on, on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. So Alexism and I, we, we, we have a little private DM kind of conversation going on and, he just recently got a Steam Deck, and he he saw that I talked about it a lot on the show. He's a listener of the show, of course, um, and he saw that I talked about it, and um, I think he eventually got one, and he's been really getting into where I play more modern games on my Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. He was getting much more into, I think, the retro gaming on there, and there's like a lot emulation of emulation or just retro download Steam games? No, or? emulation. Emulation, yeah. Okay. Um, which it's an excellent because it you know it's a pretty it's a portable higher powered PC so it it's an emul it's an emulation beast right um, but he was telling me I, I, I had done a whole segment on this show about Emu Deck if you remember that yeah like I installed my own emulator platform and I configured it and I and basically put my ROMs in there individually. And I did, I even put a few ROMs in there that I play on the show. Right. Yeah. So he was telling me of, in fact, I can't even remember the right order. I think I told him about this first and then he was the first one to go get it. There, there is a one terabyte image of Batacera, which is a common front end for, I think, RetroArch for all the emulators. Mm-hmm. I think you um, mentioned it before. But Batocera is like a, a, a customized front end for that. And this one terabyte image has like tons of emulators on them. And imagine this for all the different emulators, there's all these ROMs and all the art is already downloaded for you. So, yeah. Like, when you're looking through the games, all the art, like there's C64 games and there are hundreds of them and all of them have like the cassette art or the disc art, like on the box. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is a very polished curated collection of yeah, games beautiful. and Love it. a one terabyte image is humongous. Right. I mean, that's an expensive that, SD card. That is an, well, exactly. So <laughs> he went and downloaded it and ran it. He got it up and running and he's like, this is amazing. This is awesome. I'm loving this. You, you need to go get it. Okay. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go get this one terabyte image. The first thing, the first challenge was there's nowhere to land this thing. When I download it, I don't have a terabyte free on my PC at home. Yeah, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so, so I go in my garage and I find this, um, this, external drive that I've used for clients. And it, it does happen to be a, a beefy boy. It's like 15 terabytes in oh, one geez. external drive. So like, I'm like, okay, I, I remember I got this. So like I plugged that in. So now I'm ready to download it. 
And I go and I try to use Usenet because I usually use Usenet. I don't even—I don't know if you know what that is. It's like a news reader, but that's where people can store binary files. And it's hosted on there, this image. And I start to download it and I don't get very good speeds. So I decide to use BitTorrent to download it. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting a little bit better speeds. But it took me... It took me two and a half days to download this image of constant downloading. And about halfway through it, I start getting, I start getting um, nasty grams from my internet provider saying, Hey, you've already used up all the data that you have for your internet. Cause I guess Xfinity caps mine at 1.2 terabytes. You're like, what about unlimited? And they're like, yeah, well that was unlimited asterisk. Right. And th- that's exactly and then they what slow they, it down they, or whatever. You know, they tell you it's unlimited, but they, they started telling me that. And of course, you know, my family uses internet. So I wasn't even halfway through, I was, I wasn't even 500 gigs oh, on shit. this image when they start sending me the messages that you're out of disk space or, or out of like your data plan. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? But I continue downloading it. And the cool thing is they Xfinity gives you, um, a grace month. So, if you go over one month, they, 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 they'll just warn you. And then you just have to, like, you don't get another grace month. They charge you for every gigabyte. After we'll that. call it the Batisera month. So I was like, man, this better be worth it. So anyway, I, I do finally get the image. And then I did find a really good deal online for an SD card, a one terabyte SD card. Um, I think it was around, like, first of all, you have to use SanDisk. If you don't, like it will underreport its size and it won't fit on the SD card. So <laughs> you have to get a SanDisk one. And I found one, I think it was a hundred, a hundred, about a hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah. It sounds, I mean, that's still lower than it used to be, but that sounds about right now. Okay. So, so I grabbed a one terabyte SanDisk thing and I put it in there and I start to burn it. And the first one didn't work. It just stopped. It, and I thought my image was corrupt and they have to do it all over again. And uh, so I'm sweating bullets here and I tried a different program and it, it finally burned to the SD card and I pop it in there. And the cool thing about the Steam Deck is that you can hold the the, the volume button down, the, the minus volume button down while you boot it up. And it will ask you, hey, do you want to boot off of the SD card or on on the internal hard drive? Oh, cool. So the the way emu deck the way emu deck worked is that you just booted into your Steam Deck and then you clicked on. <sighs> woo, Excuse me. And then the way Emu Deck worked is it was like a game. You launched Emu Deck and then it ran and then you can run your emulators, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Batacera Bat- doesn't do that. You have to tell it to boot off of it's a whole operating system. Batacera is a whole operating system. So you pop the SD card in there and you boot off of it. So you hold the button down, you boot, and then I boot right into Batacera. It. It is amazing. I will tell you that it this one terabyte image. It's a basically like a carousel wheel on the right hand side of all these emulators, and then as yeah. you drill down, it's almost a lot of the emulators have complete libraries in them. That sounds like a dream. Um, like Nintendo Genesis, all those like eight and sixteen bit systems, they're complete libraries, and then. Above that, there's like the 3DS emulator, N64, Dreamcast. Um, I'm assuming PS2. like the the headache of everything you're talking about, especially because I don't have, like you said, a place to land this. 
I'm assuming yeah. there's people on eBay that are just selling a preloaded SD card for like 150. I'm like, I'll do that. Okay, so there are people on there and they're selling it for about 260. Dang. For one SD card. Dang. So what you're going to do, Cody, is you're going to go buy the SD card and you're going to bring it on over to your old Uncle Eric's. Because <laughs> I've got it on my NAS now. I've kept the image, so in case I need to burn it again. So I've got it. So And then I need to go buy a Steam Deck, which is Now you need money. to buy a Steam Deck, yeah. <laughs> um, I, my review right now about Acera is it is excellent. The, the curated, cool. I, nothing has not worked. I've played Dreamcast games. I've played PS2 games. And they work very well. Um, it has a PS3 emulator. It has um, 3DS. It has a Wii emulator and a Wii U emulator. <laughs> everything. Um, so it's just got everything on there, and it's all in one image, one giant image. So um, I've that's, been really that's enjoying. That's Steam Deck alone, just for that. Yep. So I threw Zeta Wing on there, Zeta Wing Two, and I've been playing that on there, and it it shows you like the the little cartridge image and then you can tell it to go fetch the the graphics and it just puts the graphics on there for you. I mean, it's slick. That's so, crazy. Even for something like um, a Zeta wing, it'll go out and find that, huh? Yep. So, cause it just harvests it on the internet, looks for it and then says, Hey, is this image? Okay. And you just say, yeah, yeah. that's so cool. So really, really cool stuff. Um, I, I'm going to get more into it. So I might have even a future thing to talk about that, but this leads me to my next news item which is um, I, I have this, uh, I got this 3D printed thing. Let me show you this real quick. Yeah, let's we'll see this. So like I said, Thingamabopper on your Steam is what deck, you have. On your Steam Deck, you cu- it comes with this case, right? And I've shown, I mean, this case comes with it and yep. the case goes inside, but there's this little indent in the case. And what I did is I got this 3D printed um, little do you see that little square that's in there? This just right holds hold some SD cards in there. It just holds SD cards in there. So it fits perfectly in there. The steam Super deck cool. fits in here, but this is an organizer because once you really get into the steam deck, you're going to be making custom SD cards for it as well as like <laughs> it, as well as it's just additional storage. So you can basically just get kind of the mid, which is what I did. I got the mid steam deck. Cause I didn't yeah. need all, I knew I wasn't going to need all the internal storage. Cause that's really all the difference is. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you just get SD cards and now with some little organizer like this, you just, I'm just going to keep a little collection of my SD cards in here and I'm good to go. And it carries around in the, in the actual case that it comes with. That's super cool. So this so- little thing was only like, this was like 14 bucks. Cause I don't have a 3d printer, but it has adhesive on the back of it. And it just goes in there and you can collect, keep all your little micro SD cards in your steam deck case. So that kind of brings me to a further question. Now that you've had your Steam yeah. Deck and you've been playing with it, whatever, do you, yeah. ever, do you ever see a situation where you wish you got anything higher or do you think anything lower would have done the same thing? Are you happy with being picking the middle one? The middle one's the best one, and I'll tell you why. The lower one has a different screen, and it's not as good. Um, the lower one also, it, there are some performance differences in the lower one. The middle one and the top one are the, exactly the same, except they have different storage. Yeah, I remember talking about them just kind of from your experience, if anything has changed, but it sounds like that is nope. not the case. I'm very, very happy with the middle one. The lower one, I don't think I would have been happy with. The The lower one, it it 
there's not, and I'm, and I'm not saying the, I'm not saying the, the screen is different, but there is something, man, I can't remember what the total differences were in there, but so I'm looking I know on the it. storage, the storage is slower. Yeah, I'm looking at it right uh, and now, and the big things are the, the lowest one is only 64 gigabytes mm-hmm. of internal storage, and it's eMMC, yeah. uh, and that's 400 bucks, and you get a carrying case, yep. and that's that's it. So for $130 more, 529 you get 500 or 256 gigabytes of internal storage, and then you're at MVME SSD, faster storage, fa- uh, carrying case, and then whatever exclusive Steam Community Profile bundle is. And then, I don't even know what that is. I never took advantage of that. <laughs> and then 120 more bucks gets you, uh, again, 512 gigabytes of internal storage, but you could just use SD cards. Yeah. Um, this one does, it does give you premium anti-glare etched glass, but if you don't... Which I negated that by putting a, a tempered glass screen protector on mine. That is anti-glare. There you go. Yep. <laughs> so... You, you and that an cost ex- me like twenty bucks. So <laughs> you get an exclusive carrying case, as opposed. Yeah, it is different. It is a different carrying case. And you get a v- exclusive virtual keyboard theme. So yeah, basically you, j- you just get the the etched glass and a little bit more memory. Which again, the extra memory is not going to do much for you. You're going to be buying SD cards regardless. So, and right now they are expected delivery time one to two weeks. So they're shipping. Yeah, so I, uh, did, I might be Steam selling Deck's some been, stuff and trying to trying to get myself a Steam Deck here pretty soon. Yeah, I love it, and you don't have to get the official dock. I got a generic dock on Amazon; it works great. Um, so if you want to play it on your TV, those docks can be had for you know. The, I don't know if the official one has anything better than the unofficial ones that you can get on. Uh, Amazon. I, I don't know. Hey, I have gotten into it. I, I know you've had good luck, but I've had I've, I've had pretty bad luck with my my false uh, Nintendo Switch docks. So yes, I've heard that you can you can really go down a bad path with those. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, I got the same uh, one, but I've had a bad experience because I only use it to dock to my TV, and uh, uh, yeah, like getting connectors uh, controllers to connect at the same time. It's it's. Ha- 20, 30 minutes of hassle trying to get everyone to be able to play on the same system every time with that dock. So I just never use it. Luckily, yep. my daughter I, I, got a I, Switch, so we have two two legit docks, so we just do that now. Okay, that's good. I, I did get a generic one before this one was when before the official one was even available. I got a generic one, and it's been fine. It it works fine. Hold on now. I haven't had any issues. So March, April, May. Oh, no, this is over already. Shoot. I just saw this, but this is too late. So apparently in March, they had a 10% off Steam Deck sale. Uh, oh. Oh. That's, I guess that's good because I don't have the money at the, at the exact moment. So, Yeah. Cool. I'm loving the Steam Deck, and I've been monitoring all the other ones. Like, um, uh, who just somebody came out with one just this week. Um, There's a I lot of these like, things coming out, man. From different companies, you go on um, Kotaku or Retrodoto or any of those, and like every other news yep. item is some new handheld. I think it was like that company. What is it? AOG or something like that? Or I can't remember. It's called the Ally. I remember that. 
And it looks great. I mean, some of them look really good, but I will say so far, I've loved my Steam Deck. I don't have any complaints about it at all. Some people say they don't like the quality of the screen. I think the screen's beautiful on it. I, I hmm. have no complaints at all. In fact, I tried to go back and play my Switch today because I was like thinking I was going to buy Tears of, uh, of the Kingdom or whatever it is. And um, looking at that small screen on my Switch, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> Can't go man. back now? See, that's the problem. If I buy yeah. this thing, it's going to ruin my Switch for me. Yeah, so I'm just like, oh, man, this screen. But I always play my Switch docked. So Yeah, like, you're, you're good then. Yeah. So if it isn't obvious, Eric has a lot more catching up than I do. So uh, one thing I will notice, and this will be very quick, I've continued to play Far Cry, and I'm actually glad we we were going to record two days ago. Yeah. Because we didn't record, I was able to to complete Far Cry. So I have beat Far Cry 5, uh, although I am still going to go back and 100% the thing, because it's just so much fun cruising around, trying to blow up every tower and kill every type of animal and murder every type of person with every different gun. So, dude, I I love Far Cry so much. It really is amazing. I mean, I, Tim is absolutely incorrect, and and he doesn't understand what he's missing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so I, good. I wish he was. I wish he would get on board. Like I, I I love Far Cry, and I've always loved them, and I've beaten so many of them, and it's just like, oh man. Now I will I say, what, I did I did feel very much like Eric when I was playing it because every time a cutscene would come on. I'd be like, okay, yeah. let's watch this. And their cutscenes are so slow because they're kind of do this psychological, like this creepy guy is not talking, he's staring at you, and then he says one little thing, and then yeah. kind of walks around and comes. And I'm, I just started skipping all of them. I'm like, nope, I want to get back yep. to blowing things up. I can't. Uh, I agree. I agree 100. <laughs> percent That's the only downside to Far Cry. Um, but I love Far Cry, and I never beat the the last one. Um, Six. Yeah, the one about the revolution, and it's like in kind of what would be like a Cuba style environment. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just couldn't gel to it for some oh, really? reason. Okay, um, I'm going to revisit it though because I mean it's still a cla- it's still a classic Far Cry. There's still good stuff, but well, I've only played four know. and five, Eric. So I still haven't touched any of the threes. I haven't touched any of like those the neon ones. Uh, there's those kind of the primal. I want to try yeah. the primal. That primal one looks fun. My son beat that one. Um, I, I didn't beat that one. I did play it, and I enjoyed it, but he, he actually played it all the way through. And lo- he, he did enjoy it. Yeah. Cool. Um, Pico 8 catch-up. Yeah, so th- this will be quick. Um, I played two Pico 8 games this um, month. One of them I got out of that Pico zine that I talked about last episode. Oh, and this, an- this does answer a question for us. Okay. That we asked, I want to say last episode or the one before that, which was, are people able to charge for Pico 8 games? And they are. Yeah. So once you buy this, you have to then take the cartridge image and put it on your Pico 8 system of choice. But yeah, you he, he, he is starting to pay. And this is our old good friend, um, Johan. Is it Johan Peets? Pites? Anyway, he, this is a game that you pay for, $3.95, but it's called Helgeneers. And Helgeneers is a game I've seen games like this on like mobile, uh, like, like cell phones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's a game where you basically construct bridges to get your person from one side to another. And if you build it incorrectly using anchor points, um, then the bridge will fall apart and your dude will fall into the lava and die. 
So there's a right way and a wrong way to construct bridges across the span. Um, there are 40 different levels. Structural engineering uh, simulator. Yep. So there are, um, there are 40 challenges to get through on this game. Um, it looks really great. I mean, I, I, what I, what I liked the most about this was that it's different than most games you see on Pico 8. So Pico 8 starting to branch into like picking up games that normally you wouldn't think would show up on Pico 8. So yeah, like full fledged games you'd see on steam or something like that. Yep. But that's Hellgeneers by, uh, uh, is that Johan? You think that's Johan? I think so. I'm going to say Johan Peets. Oh, no, yeah, it's Johan. It's definitely yeah, Johan that Peets. Way. Yep. Yeah, and so, um, so I'm guessing, you know, actually I'm looking, at, uses, it does use the mouse. So that, that is something I think, even though it was a small change, it made a huge effect on what type of games can be provided on this on Pico 8 platform, is okay. that mouse cursor sensibility. So this game, obviously, you, you kind of need it to, to, to design these bridges and to move around. So I can see the little mouse moving around the screen here. Cool. So that's so you one another game. one, though. Now, this next game, Cody, I think is more up your alley. Okay. Okay. This one is called Neon Saucer. Neon Saucer. This one, imagine a shoot 'em up that is kind of like Ikaruga, where like there's a color element to it, to where like you have to switch between two colors of your ship. Yes. To be able to collect things on the screen that are of the same color. So. It's a shoot 'em up, but it's also like a, a color matching game. So um, I played this for a good hour um, on my Steam Deck because that's my Pico 8 platform of choice now is my Steam Deck because it plays it perfectly. But you basically collect these gems and you have to shift to a different color to collect them. You shoot? Um, no, you just change color, huh? Yep. So then you collect those. What do you do with this guy? I think you just bump into him. Am I, I doing it right? right? Yeah, I think you're doing right. Cody is playing it on right now, and he's doing really well. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know about if you that. shoot in this game. Do you? I get, maybe you don't shoot. I don't remember. No, I think it's just it's basically a shmup with no shooting. Yeah. It's a non-shmup. I played this earlier it's a, it's in the just month, a mup. So yeah, it's a mup. <laughs> it's a mup. So basically, I played this early in the month, so that's why I don't remember. I thought there was shooting in this, though. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't found a way to do it if there is. But Neon Saucer, I can, get into, I can get into that. Yeah. So this is a fun one. Um, this one's free, so you can even play it on the website. It's a great thing about Pico games. You can play them on the website, try them out. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. Um, like, like I just it. was. Those are my two Pico 8 games this month. Cool. I had a... Uh, <clears throat> a, a idea earlier this month i'm like i want to play some games with my girls um something that we can all play together but you know i don't want to, we were kind of burnt out on mario kart and um and uh, mario party so then i remembered that's right i had what's it called bowser's revenge or whatever it's a dual cart on the switch that also includes mario 3d world which is originally a wii title okay so I popped that in, and it's a whole other game on that cartridge, along with the Bowser's Fury game. And so we've been playing that, and it's it's fun. <laughs> it's it's Mario platforming. You know, we we did three D early three D platformers on the last episode, and uh, this is kind of 
where the gameplay has gone since, you know, it's very, um, very Nintendo and it's very playable. Multiple people playing Mario characters at the same time. It is not difficult. It is a game you just kind of play through, but it's fun and it's Nintendo and it's great. So we're having a good time working our way through that. That is cool. And that, I mean, this is a stupid question. This is of course on the switch, right? Um, uh, yeah. We, yeah. We're playing on the switch. Correct. Um, yeah, this, this I think is a game I would really like. Cause you know, Super Mario World, I mean, what is the one on N64? Super Mario World 3D or what's the 3D version? What's I'm, the I'm totally blank. It's just Mario 64. It's just Mario 64, right? I wasn't a big fan of that. It's okay. I mean, it, it, I, I, just, I just wasn't into it. I wasn't ready for 3D platforming, platforming games. But then when I grabbed Odyssey, which I don't think you've played yet. Right? I still have not played Odyssey, no. Dude, one of my favorite games on the Switch. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. So that changed my whole mental paradigm on 3D Mario games. I loved Odyssey. And I'm looking forward to the next one they come out with. But that one looks really cool because it is almost like a very modern looking... No, I don't want to say 2.5 because that's not really even doing it justice. No, it's definitely 3D, but it's yeah, kind of done it's 3D, in 3D, but it's um, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It's not, but it's not like Odyssey. It's not like a. It, it's interesting. It's a different it's, perspective. You're, you're, you follow a path. Yeah, it's 3D, but you still kind of follow a path rather than it being a completely open world or something like that. It's like a 3D platformer where it's going to guide you through the platforms. I mean. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, no, it, you're right. It's kind of 2D. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, that's it, what I mean. It's, it's almost to, like a two point, what they call 2.5D, but it, that doesn't really do it justice because it looks better than those. Yeah, you kind of have to see it. Once you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I totally understand what you're talking about. But yeah, I mean, it's a game that's been out for a long time. Of course, they cleaned it up and released it for the Switch quite a few years ago now. And What, what did it originally come out on? The Wii. Oh. In fact, the, the, I... I think I own it. Hold on. Give me one sec. Yeah. So that came out on the original Wii, not even the Wii U. So, huh. I take it back. The one I own is uh, Super Mario Wii, <laughs> which is, I think, a, it's a 2D Mario game where all four of you can play at once. But this was... That's the one. And I have so, that one for the Wii, too. So I think so. 3D World, I take it back. I think this came out on 3DS. 3DS, but not maybe not on the Wii U. Not, not on, I don't think so. I think it was the 3DS. I don't know. Okay. But now it's on Switch. And it's it, on is Switch. It a, it's a full price game? It, yeah. Uh, well, it, it was... It's it's Super Mario 3D World with Bowser's Fury. Okay. Okay. Which okay. is this game here, which was also great. And I beat that a while ago. I talked about it in the show, but probably a year, almost a year ago now. Yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. I like it. Yeah. yeah that's really awesome. And it's thirty nine dollars now, so I guess yeah, it's so not, not a full price. Not full price for a Nintendo first party title, no. Yeah. All right. Cool. Oh. Well. I need to save and refresh this. Yeah. So for me, I, this is another Steam catch up. So, but this is definitely retro related. Um, there is a game out now called Cassette Beasts. <laughs> Cassette Beasts. Yep. So if you look up like a YouTube thing on that um, real quick, so I could 
to show you that. What it is is a total Pokemon ripoff, um, but with a lot of unique elements. So it basically like instead of you having like Pokeballs and like throwing Pokeballs and letting Pokemon out and stuff like that, you have a cassette deck and you record your Pokemon and monsters on cassette. And you can do some cool things with that. Like you can merge your, your monsters together. And basically, again, there's nothing magic here. It is a Pokemon clone, (laughs) but I was able to find it on sale. And so I grabbed it and I played maybe about half an hour. I haven't had a lot of time with this, but it's a fun one because it is a throwback to kind of more retro Pokemon games. Um, they're not trying to do a lot of fancy 3d stuff. Um, it basically is, is a fun old school Pokemon game with a few little twists. Like you can merge Pokemon together, things that the original Pokemon didn't do. And what do they call them? They don't call them Pokemon. I'm sure they call them something else. Are they cassette beasts? Yep. They're called cassette beasts. Okay. Exactly. So a fun little game. I haven't gotten into it more. I'm sure I'll talk about it more in future episodes as I get further into it. Um, I had to leave and do the homework for the game for the other games uh, for the for the podcast. But this will be one I go back to and like give it a shot. But I did get it on sale, so it was pretty cheap. Interesting. Um, Not my so cup that of tea. Was a good, but interesting. So that was a good game. Let me talk about the opposite. Is this? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, Cody, I'm in love all over again. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, you know, th- th- there's no love this, this, this month. There's no love affair. Um, so I went online and people were like, oh, you got to get desktop dungeons enhanced edition. It's free. Like they offered it for free on steam for a short window. Eric, Eric, nothing in life is free. Exactly. Because it takes time. That's the that's the killer. Is it takes your time? Oh, so far it so, looks cool though. I don't want to say it's a bad game because it's not, and a lot of people really love this game. Um, I I saw it on there, and I saw oh, it's it gets reviewed pretty positively. So I'm going to go and grab this game, and it's free. So I mean, I grab it once you have it on Steam. Once you grab it, it's in your library. It's free forever. You can just download it to whatever devices you want to play. So I grabbed it. And maybe because I just haven't spent a lot of time with it, but it's basically like a weird mashup of RPG and Minesweeper. That sounds awesome to me. (laughs) Have you... I, and and legit, like next month, Cody, if you said, oh, I got that and it's awesome, I would be like, okay, I'm missing something. Maybe it is awesome. I want to see if it's still free because it looks... I can see how it looks. You you have to... I think it has to click. It's a game that looks like you're going to have to try it until it clicks. And if it doesn't click, it doesn't click. Yeah, and, and uh, literally I spent 10 minutes with it. So I, I I might be totally wrong. I'm willing to say I may be totally wrong on this. But for me, after 10 minutes, I was like, okay, I got to move on and do something else because I'm not, I'm not gelling with this game at all. So Desktop Dungeons Enhanced Edition, I got it for free, and it was free for a short window. It would probably be free again maybe down the road. I don't think it's an expensive game. Um, even if you were to get it at full price, I don't think it's very much money. But Yeah, it shouldn't, man, be, it shouldn't be too much. I couldn't. I, I couldn't. All right. I couldn't really gel to it right away. So anyway, 
Maybe looks very, it looks very kind of clunky, although I do like the GUI. The GUI looks nice, but that gameplay itself is kind of very, like I said, very yeah. kind of like a slightly enhanced Minesweeper. Yes, it's like Minesweeper <laughs> and an RPG because there's diff- there's all these like heart elements and power-ups and mana and stuff like that. And it's just like, how does that work with the oh, Minesweeper? It makes me want to try it. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe I'll come back and complain about it long, but the next month, I don't know. I wish I could transfer my free one to you and then <laughs> transfer it. <laughs> Gift it. But anyway, so anyway, that's that. Um, I just want to touch base real quick uh, and update everybody on my arcade one-up pinball machine, which I talked about all last month. Yeah. Um, so that issue with the sensor got worse and worse to the point where it's unplayable, unfortunately. However, what I wanted to point out is, first of all, if I, I was able to just go in there and unplug it. So you can play the game just fine if you just unplug the sensor, the the bump sensor, so that your pinball table is no longer acting like it's getting nudged when it's not getting nudged. Problem is you can't yeah. nudge it when you want to nudge it, like to try to get the ball in the flipper if it's going right down the middle. So there's no tilt. There's no nudging. Or there's tilting. no correct, correct. Well, okay. it, it, yeah, it's always hard because yeah, if you say tilting, yeah, technically tilting means you nudged it too far and the game shut down because you nudged it too far, which is, but yeah. What I want to say is Arcade 1-Up, even though they're completely, from what I can tell, out of, uh, I don't know if it's China. I think it's probably China. Um, The customer support has been excellent, considering. Yeah. uh, I I got on the website. You can't just buy parts for the machines. They're not available. So I wrote them and said, hey, I'm in up front with you. I bought this thing used. I'm looking at the model number here, looking online. This is part of the batch that had, I think, bad sensors. What can we do about it? You know, and I said up front, I'm like, I didn't, I bought this used, so I didn't buy it direct. So I just want to buy, be able to buy the replacement sensor. Yeah. And then they kind of gave me a list of things to check, and I checked them. So I can take a picture of this. I took a picture of this, and it was really good response. To, I mean, they were on it uh, relatively, you know, like 12 hours. They wrote back, which would make sense because they're in China. Yeah. And, uh, and they're like, all right, well, thank you for reaching out to us, uh, blah, blah, blah. We're going to send you a, a link with the invoice and whatever for the part. The bummer is the part is only 20 bucks. The shipping was 17 so it ends up being about $40 completely shipped. Uh, okay. But they got it coming, and they already sent me like three follow-up emails. Like, we're packing it now. All right, here's your tracking number. All right, it just left the facility. Like, they're on it. So I want to give them a shout-out for following up because I didn't even buy this direct from the store. I bought it used. Right. And uh, and they were you know I'm, I'm paying for it, but they're working with me. So hopefully you get it and it fixes the problem. It'd be totally worth forty bucks. Yeah, um, and I've seen a few videos online where they put a new sensor in for this one specifically, and it fixed all the problems. So that's great. Should be it's what good it to is. Know. It's good to know. I I am really jealous because I think that I would love to have that pinball. So. It's really cool. It is really cool. And I updated the firmware already, which was super simple. Downloaded some software on my computer. Went over there, plugged it into the back. Two minutes later, Bob's it was updated. Your Bob's, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> Speaking of uh, pocket monsters, I don't know. Yes. Pokemon, so pocket So this monster. will be related to video games, I swear. I will bring it back around. But. <laughs> it is a so, cool retro techie bit of thing anyway. Yeah, so like a bit of my history, like I did play instruments, like mainly bass a long time ago in a different life. And I've been trying to find a way to kind of get back into making some kind of rudimentary music. Just, 
I didn't want to go back into software because I had played with Reason and Cubase and Fruity Loops and stuff and used sequencers like that. And I just didn't feel like I wanted to get back into that really. So I was looking at synthesizers and and I wanted something small and portable and stuff. And I remember we had talked about pocket operators, I think a long time ago, didn't we? Well, when I bought my, um, my sampler, the MPC yeah. 2000 XL from Akai. And you're yeah. like, yeah, I used to be into sampling and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So anyway, I went and found from teenage engineering, these really cool pocket operators and they basically look like little calculators. I mean, they're really small. I you mean, fit in your pocket, thing, legitimately. I mean, I'm showing you my hand. Like it feels like I, my yep. whole hand covers it up. But it's it's hard to explain. It looks like a calculator it has a bunch of buttons on the front, two knobs, and a little screen. Now, there are a bunch of different styles of pocket operators. Um, oh, well, is that one of your sequencing. beats, Eric? <laughs> Exactly, but um, the, so so there are video game themed pocket operators. So t- Teenage Engineering has like thirty different pocket operators. There's a ton of them. Yeah, I saw a Mega but Man one. So there's two of them that I saw that were well. There's three that are video game related. So one is the Mega Man one, and it has Mega Man samples in it, which is really cool. Oh, that's cool. Then there's a Street Fighter two one. Street Fight? Fighter two. And it's got like little Street Fighter things in it. And basically that one is called the PO-133. Um, this one's the PO-33. They're both identical except for that one has some Street Fighter sounds on it. And, and it looks the function, a little different. The function is the same. Now, all yeah. the pocket operators are different. They all have different, slightly different functions. They don't all do the z- same thing. Okay. So some of them will have different types of way it slices up samples. Some of them will have different ways it it you chain patterns together for songs. So they all have legitimate differences. So there is a benefit to collecting all of them, like, or not all of them, but like having a, two or three different ones. Gotcha. You can chain them together using the audio cables and they will sync using SMTPE. So they will sync their time. So you can hit play on one and they'll, they'll play in time with all of them. Kind of like a MIDI. Awesome. Um, but I've been having fun just learning how to program. And so I bought a little custom uh, case for mine. I have the silicone case. But what's cheesy is I didn't want to break this tab off. Remember we talked about that? Yeah, they have a hanger tab like attached because it's literally one one uh, PCB board that everything is attached to. And the PCB board happens to have a hanger tab. So if you want to hang it on a hook, you could. Yep. And I didn't want to break that off just so I want to keep it original. So like... Um, I bought the silicone case. In fact, I have it over here. I bought a silicone case and I was about ready to do it. And then I went and did my research and I found this really cool acrylic one, which has multiple pieces to it. And it's just an acrylic cover. That's really cool. And it lets you keep the tab and the buttons free. So, so anyway, I've been doing that. Eric plays for another beat that you made. Let me play. Let's get down with some sick beats. All right, let's do that one. And that's the built-in speaker. You can plug it into better speakers. Yeah, I mean, this thing is a legit piece of hardware, even though it's tiny, because I've heard people plug in record players to it and sample from a record player and play, like, legit 808 yep. beats, and, they, like, it sounds good. There is uh, a line in and a line out on this, so you can line out into a speaker, but you can line into a computer, a synthesizer, a mixer board. You can literally 
plug into anything, but it also has a built-in little micro, um, it has a built-in microphone into it. So you could literally do a lo-fi kind of vibe to yeah. it and take it somewhere and like record somebody saying something and just use it as a lo-fi device. I mean, this thing is of like a little tiny miniature sampler. So yeah. anyway, been having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I hope that maybe I can, I, my goal is like within a month or two to like get good enough to where I can put something for uh pixel guide and like, like do a little we go. pixel guide mix so with the uh, street fighter sense. Yep. <laughs> uh, my last catching up item, obviously I did not do a ton of note outside of other things we've done for the podcast this month, but yep. I finished a book I was listening to on audible. So I got to get to my next book, which happens to be, I think you've seen this before, but there's a book called The Micro Kids, and it's a book by Gary Plowman. I'm not sure if he listens to the show or not. There's a good chance he does, because his community is, you know, it's it's fairly small. It brings the world, makes the world smaller, brings us together. Um, But it's a book uh, all about, it's an 80s adventure with the ZX Spectrum, Commodore 64, and more. And I just started listening to it. It's by Gary Plowman. It's narrated by Jazz Walker. And, um, you know, obviously... So first of all, it's only four hours and thirty minutes narrated, audible, right? So I, uh, I almost finished it just listening to it on the way home from from Fresno today. <laughs> um, yep. And you know, it's 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 a good time. It is going to be only for people who like to hear stories about kids, uh, you know, of the era of the '80s and their experiences enjoying games on these computers. It is very much. Is done as a, I think, a kind of, I'm sure it has a lot of personal experience, but it's embellished and it kind of, they made this character, this kid that's going through all these experiences that are probably shared by a lot of people. And they incorporate a lot of thing about the British microcomputer scene of the time. You kind of get to feel the vibe of what it was like to be there then. I, you know, it, it kind of brings to light what I always hear, which is how big microcomputers and games were over there. To my knowledge, our, our scene was nothing like that over there. Um no. It really didn't start, you know, the Atari, and then it really didn't kind of restart until the Nintendo. So, um, but it was interesting. It, I mean, it, it's enjoyable for the right audience. I love it, but I have to be honest, you know, Gary Gary Plowman, this guy, he did a great job. He's not going to be an, he's not an author by trade. You know, this is probably his first work. I don't know, but uh, it kind of jumps around a bit. But they're fun stories; they're great to listen to. And same thing with with Jazz Walker. You can tell it's uh, kind of a, a love letter, right? He wanted to do this, and they're probably buddies for all I know. And you can tell it's a guy kind of in his room narrating it. But you quickly get past that, and it's very enjoyable. And I had a great time with it. So you can buy this. I think a hardcover still from Amazon for like thirteen dollars, or uh, or get on audible which is how i how i got it so i can listen to it on the drive it's fun so yeah so a few years ago i got in a conversation with gary okay on great Twitter, great and i bought the book so i have it it's downstairs i didn't yeah, want to I run remember, out. I didn't, I, okay i thought i remember that you had it cool i didn't want to pull a tim and like go out the hatch door and like run away and like leave come back with it <laughs> <laughs> Tim does that. I love it. It's like he disappears into his floor. It works well when there's three of you, not when there's only two of you, because then I'll exactly. be sitting here killing it dead air. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I have this book, and I know right where it is downtown or downstairs, and I've I've read it, and I, I do enjoy it. I mean, you're right. It's like, it's not Shakespeare. You're not going to like go, oh, <laughs> you know, this is, you know, but the especially for me who lived in the 80s, 
it definitely r- rings nostalgic for me, especially the stories. I, I have a lot of similar stories to exactly what yeah, happened cool. in there. But the, the British scene was definitely, I think, from what I've heard, is was more vibrant. Yeah, they're and, talking about all these different stores they go to, and there's just tape games everywhere. Yeah. And I'm like, they weren't everywhere. You had to seek stuff out for sure. Oh, for for here, you had to go to a store that sold computer games. There, they had you went in your supermarket, and at the checkout line, there were game tapes like and sitting there. I was just listening to a part where the department store you went up to the fourth floor, and two thirds of the fourth floor was all microcomputers and games. Yeah, of a department store, really? No, that wasn't a thing. No, but yeah, and and there, like you go to a newsstand, which would be something like a Barnes and Noble, and there'd be tons of cassette games there, and they'd be like ninety nine cents. They would be like budget titles. We didn't have that here. Yeah, that was not here. Is Nintendo games, Toys R Us, and Walmart, those kind of things, and they were fifty, forty, fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a different, different flavor for sure. Spelt with an O U, flavor. Uh, Eric, last item here for catching up. Yep, so this is a true retro segment because I always feel bad because I, I end up talking about a lot of retro-inspired stuff. But I played a, a Game Boy Advance game, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this game. It's called Medal of Honor Infiltrator. Obviously, I've heard of so, Medal of Honor, but not, not Infiltrator, nope. Yeah, so Medal of Honor, you think to yourself, okay, the 3D kind of Call of Duty-style game, that's the Medal of Honor I know. Yeah. This is a top-down commando-style game that um, is almost like Commando, but also a little bit like um, uh, Cannon Fodder. Like on I was going to say, the, the, the vibe of the graphics is very Cannon Fodder. So I played this for a couple hours, and I got almost to the end of the game. Um, I At least I think it was the end of the game. I was getting close to where uh, I had seen on videos that you were getting to the final boss. Um it basically is exactly like that. Like if you love commando and, and you basically, if you hold a button down, you can face in the same direction. So like you can strafe like left and right. Yeah. Um, this looks great. Solid, solid little game. And it's all on the game boy advance. I had never heard of this. When I think of medal of honor, I think of like the 3d call of duty style game. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to steer away from that, especially on a game boy. I mean, well, yeah. And the, and the package looks gritty and kind of like, yeah, like super modern, but no, this is, yep. A fun this one, you can shooter. go into buildings, you get power-ups, um, you know, there's like little first aid f- picks. Basically, I mean, it, it probably sounds a lot lamer me talking about it, but then if you saw it, I mean, the graphics are solid in this too. It's just a fun, it was a fun little game. And I totally My, didn't know this kind of thing existed on Game Boy. Yeah, it's Game great. Boy Advance. I think there's a few, a, quite a few games like this. I th- My guess is, like you said, you played it for a little while, you almost beat it. My guess yeah. is probably just not, wasn't enough longevity in a game like this for it to become really popular because they're like, well, you buy it, then you beat it, and that's it. Yeah. But it looks like a really great time to go back and play right now. I want to play this one, too. Man, yeah, I have a big list that. of games to play now because of this episode, <laughs> Eric. Excellent. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> right on. That brings us to the end of Catching Up. All right. We are ready to talk about six good games, but not before we first do what, Eric? Have another beer. Have another beer. Or whiskey or bourbon In my case, or whatever you're going to have. The whiskey. So my last libation of the night, Eric, is a more local fare. This is a straight bourbon whiskey. It is called Frey Ranch. 
Freight? It, I've heard of that. Yeah, it is in Fallon, Nevada. So yeah, I, uh, 30 minutes of outside one. of Reno. Okay. And it is a new one to us, and it is delicious. And it comes in this really killer bottle. It's a super big chunk of glass. Yeah. Can you hear? Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it is thick, like half-inch thick glass all the way down. It's a chunker. But that is a straight bourbon whiskey. And Eric, what are you working on this for your last brew? This last brew is not Cinco de Mayo inspired. I got this one. Uh, I, I had this one, on, though, on the show a couple of months ago. This is a Sunny Days Barrel House Brewing from Paso Robles. This is the Blonde Ale with Citrus. Gotcha. So I did have this, so I'm not even going to rate it. I had this on the show probably two months ago. Um, it's okay. It's 5.2% alcohol. It's got a little too much of the citrusy flavor in it, so it kind of spoils gotcha. the, the blonde ale of it. Um, I think I reflected that on the show. I don't remember exactly what I rated it, but it's okay. It's maybe, not a bad one. I still ha- I had it in the fridge, so I decided just to have maybe it. Maybe you shove another lime in it. Maybe you just go overboard the citrus until it becomes its own thing. You know what, Cody? I'm going to do that. I got, one more sl- I got one more lime slice left. I'm going to throw that in there because I don't want to waste it. There Boom. you go. There you go. Cheers, it's my friend. Cheers. Man, that is a kick you in the butt bourbon right there. It is good. It is the malty. The lime makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah. Is that doing it for you? It is, actually. Make it a little... Gives it a little zing. Yeah, this stuff goes right to your nose. In a good way? In a good way. But still intense. Matured bottle that Frey Ranch grown distilled. It is a good corn whiskey. Um, yeah, it's good. It's think? complex. It's got a lot of different. Every time you drink it, it tastes a little different. It's got something different characteristics pop up. I like it very much. I'm giving this a four out of... I'm giving it a quattro out of Cinco de Mayo's. And that brings us to what, Eric? Six good games. Six good games! These are six good games with weird licenses, whatever that means to you. And I'll be honest, Eric, you picked one. In fact, I think it's your turn to go first. So I'm going to let you go first, okay. and if, if you're going with your first one here, first of all, you cheated. Yeah, second of all, second of I all, you cheat. took one of my games I was going to pick, which is fine, because it's part of it, but go for it. Is it later on? No, it's right up front. It's not the first one, right? <laughs> it is the first one. Oh, you were going to do this one? Yeah. <laughs> not that I, I didn't tell you that. You're not in trouble. All right. <laughs> Although you picked three. I was going to pick one of them. Uh, okay, so... It, it, uh, so I picked three of them because I've been itching to talk about this on the show for like <laughs> Me two years now. <laughs> <clears throat> so, and, and I will bring it around. Okay. So let me first, let's back up a little bit. When you mentioned this, it was a very hard, it was very hard for me to pick games. Really? Okay. And the reason is not for the first part. The weird licensing part is fine. <laughs> the good part <laughs> is well, this yes. is six good games, six good and games, finding yes. six good games with weird licenses is almost impossible. Um, fair enough, fair enough. So, I mean, if we could pick six mediocre games or bad <laughs> games with weird licenses, that'd be easy. I'd, we could do that all day long. 
Um, Never said six is anyway, great so, or excellent games. Just good. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, my first one is, and I have a story about this. As I, I, I feel like these these last two episodes, I have a story to tell. Um, I was there, man, when I did these <laughs> games. Um, I picked the Burger King Trio, which uh, was on Xbox 360, and Burger King did a promotion where they offered three games that you could go to Burger King, and if you bought a meal, you could get them for three ninety nine. I, lo- I love you, that. First of all, if you bought a meal, then you get the opportunity to buy something else. <laughs> it, well, and back then it was novel to just have an Xbox 360 game for that cheap in a case that came yeah. complete. Yes, yeah. They, they yeah. did have an online Xbox 360 was one of the first ones that had the online live arcade where you could download games. I mean, that was Xbox 360 is the one who started that. Yeah. So, um, it was interesting to go into thing and you could buy it for three ninety nine. Now, if you didn't want to buy a meal, you could buy the game. I think it was seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine, something like that. You could you could go in there and buy it and not pay for a meal or whatever, but you know, you just went and bought a meal and got it for three ninety nine. So it came with three games, Burger King. So these were Burger King based games, but they were Pocket Bike Racer, Sneak King, and Big Bumpin'. Um, Big bump. So I'll just touch on these briefly, and I'll tell you which one really is my favorite of, of of the three. And by the way, I did go to Burger King. I did buy all three of these, and <laughs> my friends and I played the crap out of these because they yeah. all three of them can be played multiplayer. Um, Sneak King, I'm not sure. I don't remember <laughs> that one, but the other ones were definitely multiplayer, like awesome multiplayer games. Sneak King is the one um, I totally wanted to play. Pocket it's so bike weird. racer. <laughs> Yeah, so let's talk about because you got the video up of sneaking. Sneaking is a thing where the king is going around and he is trying to give <laughs> burgers to people, but he you have to sneak up on them, and he does this little like um little, like sneak animation. Um and you basically give the burgers. I will tell you, Cody, that this is the least good game. I, I can't imagine how this could be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is not this is not the the best game. But the other two were Pocket Bike Racer, which is a pretty solid um racing game, kind of like a Mario Kart game, but you're on pocket bikes. So you have Burger the Burger King dude like on this little tiny bike and you have other people and you could this is a multiplayer game. You can play multiplayer, you can play by yourself, but it's a pretty solid racer. Cool. Um, and there's like little secret ways to go. Um, the only downside to this one is if I remember right, there weren't that many tracks. I think there were only four or five tracks. Oh well, yeah. For $4, um, <laughs> but for four bucks, it was pretty good, but take a look at the graphics on that. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty solid. <laughs> um, um, so pocket bike racer was really good. And then big bumping was, um, Big bumping was uh, like a bumping, like a car. Uh, what do you call them? Bumper cars. Bumper cars, yeah. And it was more of a top-down visual, like a top-down kind of thing where you would bump into them. And this was a pretty solid multiplayer game too. I mean, again, none of these games were great. Don't think you're going to get something for three ninety nine that's like going to blow your socks off. But wait, for getting this at Burger King is pretty crazy. Now, let me tell you, I want to bring this back to weird because we talk about weird games. Okay. This is, this is weird, weird licenses. 
Burger King, okay, there were a lot of McDonald's games and there were a lot of different games. So Burger King isn't that weird of a license. But let me tell you something that's really weird about these games. Okay. <laughs> All three of them have a menu that you boot into, like you boot the game and it goes into a menu. It is an FMV of the king in the most creepiest <laughs> simple, there is. So look at that, Cody. Did but that was the that? advertising at the time. It would just show this people like doing normal everyday things, and all of a sudden they'd turn and see the king staring at them. <laughs> but let me tell you, this is like ASMR. Like it, like if you saw that in real life, like it's just the king in FMV, so very realistic, <laughs> and it's all quiet, and there's weird little noises in the background. Dude, the menus on this, on all three games, the menus were the creepiest freaking <laughs> burger. That's, that's how you menus. sell burgers, man. Dude, these were legit creepy. And I know uh, that goes with the motif of the of 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 the whole Burger King like advertisement franchise thing. But it was it was so crazy. Uh, my friends and I funny. just really dug these. And so I'm, I bought We're all looking these at them all right now. I'm watching. <laughs> Yeah. So you know me, there um I don't get rid of stuff. I lent these to a friend and they never gave it back. So oh, I don't have man. You don't have them anymore? Nope. I'm pulling I'm gonna pull a Tim here. I think I have some of them. I've just never I've never booted them up. The 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 pocket bike racer and the big bumping are really worth it. And Sneak Sneak King is actually worth booting up just because it's so weird. Um it's basically a sneaking game where you're taking the king around trying to feed people burgers, but you have to sneak up on them for some reason. Hold on, um, hold on. Very stranger, very stranger danger. You have all three of them? Oh, look at that. You got all three of them. I've never played them, but I own them. Yeah. I've always, ever since these came out, and I never had an Xbox, I had always wanted these. I've been, like, drawn to them. <laughs> Just They're so worth they are worth having, and I wish I had my original copies because they. I. It, I was, a, it was an. It was an interesting time, and they're not bad games. Again, six good games. I cheated and put three of them. I, I put three for one, but all three of them are decent games, and two of them I would say are fun. Dude, out of all these, out of all these, Pocket Bike Racer is probably my favorite. Oh, and this one actually came. I'm opening this one up. I've got. I've still got the Xbox Live 48-hour free Xbox Live Gold trial card in here. Yeah, unused that's probably code. still good. That's probably unused, still good. Unused code, and I've got Burger King ca- Cash. Load, use, and reload Burger King Cash with your BK Crown card. Yeah, that's no good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that's no good. And what's cool about these two is this was the end of the Xbox era and the beginning of the Xbox 360 era, so these would work on both. Yeah. They were optimized for both, although they were exactly the same on both. They're still Xbox games, I, I believe. But um, man, I, I I I thought I had one, or I didn't realize I had all three. That's great. You should hang on to those. Those are definitely collector items now. And I, I've been thinking about trying to re like re get them somehow because I my my friends and I legitimately got these and then went home and played them. For weeks, like we would play multiplayer. That's great. Pocket bike that. racer. We would have races. Um, yeah, they're they're fun games. So anyway, that's my first pick is the Burger King Trio. Good choice, my friend. That is hilarious, and that's why I wanted to pick it because it's so freaking weird. But I've actually never played them before either. 
So, um, all right. So my first, so Eric, <clears throat> you already know I'm going with this, but don't jump the gun on me. I won't. Let's say you're coming out with a new Game Boy game. Yes. Game Boy Advance. I'm sorry. And you're the company WayForward, who makes great games, in my opinion. I love WayForward. They oh. make terrific Metroidvanias, things like that. They make the Shantae, Shantae games, they right? Make Shantae games, exactly. Um, yep. All kinds of excellent games I really enjoy. And you're like, well, it's 2002. We need a yeah. hot new license to sell to these kiddos <laughs> who have the Game Boy Advance. Okay. All right. So you're going through, and you've got, oh, we have a line with Harvey Comics. Are you familiar with Harvey Comics at all, Eric? It doesn't ring a bell to me. At this point, and there might be more, I don't know. At this point, Harvey Comics' biggest license in 2002 is Casper the Friendly Ghost, which I don't believe has had hmm. anything happen since early 80s. And even at that point, it was long in the tooth. I don't know. It was long in the tooth, but there was a movie that came out, a real movie called Casper. In the, in the 90s, yes. Okay. This is 2002, okay. my friend. But here's the thing. Oh, okay, okay. Here's the thing. Yeah. They didn't make a Casper the Ghost game, Eric. Do you remember that Casper the Ghost had a friend named, uh, <laughs> what is her name? It, it's, uh, I think it's Wendy, the good little witch. Oh, okay. I, I, I wouldn't have known that off the top of my head. Okay. Let's make a game based off of Casper's friend, Wendy the Good Little Witch, and that will be the entire game. Wendy the Good Little Witch on the GBA. So if you, here's the original cartoon. You saw Wendy there. She's the, She wears a little red witch outfit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know where she, she was. Right there she is. And that's from like the 50s. Yeah. Um, here we go. Wendy's the good... Little witch. So I just got a kick out of the fact that they made a full-on... I take it back, it was not GBA, Game Boy Color. Okay. A full-on Game Boy Color game. And this was 2002. <laughs> On the and Game Boy Color. Like a, she wasn't a main character. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it was 2002. She wasn't a main character in the 50s when, like, Casper was a thing. Uh, so the game is technically called Wendy Every Which Way. By WayForward Technologies. <laughs> Every which way. Every which way. You can guess how which is spelled. But, as always, it's a, it's a good game. <laughs> um, okay. Little intro scene here. But here's the gameplay, and it's a little... Uh, so it's interesting. It is a... Oh, wow. Have you ever played... Um, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the game on the NES. It's called Metal Storm. Yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, I played it. Yeah. So it's like, it was you know, a lot of hidden gem videos use that game. Of course, now it's well known because of all the hidden gem videos talk about Metal Storm. But it, it, this is a very similar gameplay. But you're it's basically a it's basically almost like a um, puzzle run and gun, if that makes sense. It's kind of a platformer yeah. run and gun game. Um, very you know, it looks like Wendy the Good Little Witch, although she doesn't do any witch things necessarily. She shoots. Ooh stars out of her wand i guess so that's kind of yeah. a witch thing um and but it's really more of a puzzle run and gun puzzle platformer kind of a thing you don't you don't really do any platforming but the the game is you it, you shoot things that are in your way and then you can jump and all that but then if you press up and jump you will flip gravity so that you, wendy will now 
up will be down. Like it doesn't change the viewpoint, but now she sticks to the ceiling and is upside down walking along the ceiling. And when she jumps, she jumps, you know, down from the ceiling, lands back on the ceiling. But then you can press down and jump to flip kind of gravity back the other way. What that has to do with Wendy, I have no idea. What yeah. Wendy has to do with the, this era, I have no idea. But it's a solid little way forward title. And you just kind of play your way through it. It's not difficult. Um, I did not beat it, but I, I I was enjoying my time with it. And I probably will go through and see if, if it's as kind of a, you know, it, it takes some thought and it's not a complete walk in the park, but it, it's enjoyable. The graphics look great. Primary colors, very bright. Um, sprites look well animated, look very nice. Um it it looks like a solid game. I mean, it has a timer, so <laughs> it doesn't come into play. Don't worry about it. Okay, it's kind of like it's kind of like Mario Brothers, where it's like, yeah, you get three hundred yeah. seconds to play a forty second level. Um, <laughs> right, well, that's good. Yeah, and then you can get power ups where you shoot more things, and um, you get five stars, and you, those are your your health bar and five lives. But you get you know at least in the levels I've played, which is about four worlds worth, you just keep getting stars. So it's but it's enjoyable. It's just a fun little playthrough game. And uh, like yeah. you said, the colors and everything look great on here. On an actual Game Boy Color, obviously, they're very washed out. But sure. I was playing sure. on a Game Boy Advanced SP, so they look like this, and they look great. Yeah. Um, enemies um, take different tricks to kill. Like, that pig had a had a shield, so you can't just shoot it. You have to find a way to kind of get behind it and shoot it or just go around it. But, uh, yeah, solid little game one little element i love which is just a little minor thing is when you hit an enemy the little score pops up i don't know why i really oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. you know when you hit an enemy it's like 10 or 100 like it shows you the score amount it does make it more i, was, I hate to use the word satisfying because that word creeps me out but it does make it more satisfying right like yeah i i love it i love that yeah. thing i don't know why i don't know why it's probably from my childhood playing a game where it did that and i was just like really digging that but I, I like that. So. Oh, I forgot this part. Every three levels, you 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 fight a boss, and when you beat the boss, let me let me remember. See if I remember that right. No, maybe there's no boss. Let me see right here. Hold on. I might be mixing up another game I played. So, so there's no boss. You just get to the end, and grab the last orb. But then every three levels, you go to a different world. But before you do that, you play a bonus level. The bonus level yeah. level is basically a little shmup. Yeah, it's like a little uh, horizontal shmup. Yep, and that's cool. Which is funny because how many horizontal shmups are cute witch-based games for some reason? There's a lot of them, <laughs> and they are. Yeah, this is yet another one, uh, but it's just a game. Magical a little chase, my magical favorite. chase, cotton, and uh, cotton, Wendy the Good right, Little yeah, Witch. Yeah. So there you go. It's cool. a little game that that's completely solid. random. That looks like a great one. Yeah, I mean the license. I don't. You, this could have been called like cute Red Riding Hood witch. I mean, it wouldn't have yeah. changed. No one's going to buy this game because it's Wendy, the good little witch. I really don't right. understand the concept there. And she's the only thing in here that has anything to do with the comics. Other than all the enemies are completely, they're just whatever. It's an odd so. license. Like, the, it's, like it's it, weird. I don't think anyone bought this game because it was Casper related. Casper They probably didn't even know what it was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And even the picture on the, actually, let me go back here. Even the picture on the box, that doesn't look like the Wendy I know from Casper. No. I mean that's that that looks like some crazy like anime I don't know, kid in pajamas. I don't know what that is. But... <laughs> All right, what you got next? I'm excited about this one too. Okay, so this game was a surprise to me because I didn't know this was based on a license. I did I not no either. 
So Cadillacs and Dinosaurs is the game I'm talking about. This game didn't have really any home ports. It was an arcade game, period. Um, when I was doing my research, I just came across, I was trying to look up licensed games and trying to figure out what to do here because, again, you got to pick six good games. And when this one popped up, I was like, oh, I love Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. I play it all the time on my main cabinet. Um, I play this one all the time. So it's a great beat em up. So what is this based on? What is the license? So I'm doing my research and it is based on. Um, now, this gets complicated. So follow me here, okay? All right. I like it. It's based on an old comic series called Zeno, Zenozoic Tales. Okay. Zen, Zenozoic. I'm sorry. Zenozoic Tales. Never heard of it before, right? Um, Catchy name. It, How could it not be popular? Exactly. It was an, an alternative comic book, uh, post-apocalyptic future, um, where they talk about, um, it was kind of like, was it, it was kind of like, kind of like a horror comic. Huh. Okay. Um, um, it has been, it has since been reprinted by several publishers, including Marvel comics and dark horse comics. Those are pretty big franchises. Um, it was pretty well received in the early nineties. Um, so Xenozoic tales eventually turned into a comic called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Huh. Um, and so, because th- the original one would only had 14 issues, and then eventually, I think it was when Marvel took over it, it became Cadillacs and Dinosaurs from 90, 1990 to 1991. It became Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Before that, it was Kitchen Sink Press, Xenozoic Tales. Um, and then eventually, Marvel spun that off to Topps Comics for 1994, and... um it was a still called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. So I know that sounds convoluted, but um, it basically, that is what the comic kind of does is, is in the storyline, Earth has been ravaged by pollution and natural disasters of all sorts. And basically kind of dinosaurs and stuff kind of come back and, you know, are in this world, but there's all these bad guys too, because it's post-apocalyptic. Um so it it is generally, for all intent and purposes, based on a license of, of a comic book license that yeah. went on for several years and was pretty highly regarded. Um, and the, other than that, the game is an arcade game. It is a shmup where you, for some shmup. reason, are in a Cadillac, and then you There's get no out. Shmup, and you are, is there? I'm sorry, a, a beat em up. Beat em up. And what happens is the dinosaurs that you encounter in this game. Um, are orange while you're fighting them. And then as you punch them, they become green, which means they snap out of their comas or whatever. I don't know what they're in. They're not in comas. They're in some kind like of a trance state. or being controlled by something or. Yeah. And then they turn back green and then they run off the screen. So if you watch like some gameplay here, when the dinosaurs finally come, they're aggressive at first. And then when you slap them around a little bit, they turn a different <laughs> color and they run off. But there's a whole bunch of human bad guys. That's ma- the ma- majority of the enemies, right? Yep. Some of the cool elements in this game are, are the game does have guns. So you grab a gun and you fire it. But when you run out of ammo, the gun converts into a melee weapon. So you can like take the gun nice. and start beating the crap out of people with it, which is, I think is pretty neat. Um, 
other than that, it's kind of your typical um, beat-em-up, but I love beat-em-up, so that's yeah, it why looks, it's a good game to me. And this is a CPS1 game, Capcom, so I'm guessing it's based off the um, uh, Final Fight engine. It looks very Final Fight. Yes. yes but I believe with a lot more creative yeah. and a lot cooler set pieces and stuff. Yeah. And there's cool. different characters you can play that are based on the comic book characters. Um, but other than that, that's I've never really played it. That's all it is. I just yeah. love that. You never played Cadillacs and Dinosaurs? No. I've heard of it a number of times. I've never played it. And I just, I love the kitschy B movie vibe to it. Like just weird stuff. Humans with swords and dinosaurs and guns and Cadillacs. I mean, it's just, it's, it's all the it's, B movie stuff shoved into a game. It's definitely based in a very like unique post apocalyptic world where there's Cadillacs and there's dinosaurs. <laughs> And you're the, at least the character he's fighting with is Mustafa. Yeah. And their names are very straightforward, the bad guys. This one's Butcher. He already fought a poacher. Yep. Uh, trying to see if there's more now, but yeah. No, it looks like a solid, solid little beat-em-up with kitschy yep. B-movie licensing. I like it. Yep. So anyway, that's my nice. second pick. All right. Here's a game that's going to... Well, actually, apparently a lot of people do find this game to be a good game. So... <clears throat> Although okay. it's not my cup of tea per se, in general, it's a good game. This is a game. I, I, this is kind of an infamous game at this point. A lot of people do know about this game. If you're in, if you listen to any of these retro video game related shows, this game comes up often. But I had yes. to put it on here because I've never really played it, um, and I've heard a little bit about the lore. But it definitely fits. So, and this kind of goes hand in hand with. Um, Almost like the Burger King game, right? Where the Burger yeah. King part of it wasn't weird. And in this no. game, the Pepsi Pepsi part of it is not weird. It's right. that the game is based around a weird mascot, which in Burger yeah. King's case is the king. This creepy guy with no with a hard plastic face that doesn't change ever and stares into your yeah. soul. In this case, it is the mascot for Pepsi in Japan at the time, which was Pepsi Man. <laughs> and it's... Yeah. I'm going to let you describe it because I've got some thoughts about it. <laughs> you might have more than I do. So this game is, uh, it was released. It was retail. It wasn't like Burger King where they were using it to sell necessarily soda. They, I mean, they were, but you paid, uh, I mean, I think it was a discounted game, but it was a, it was a 20, 30, you know, dollar, you know, in yen game. And it starts with, a, it, with these terrible FMV, not even FMV, just cut video cutscenes of dudes drinking Pepsi. And um, the acting is over the top and terrible, like... <laughs> He's Anyways. like peeking into there. Yeah, we're watching some of them right now. But these are yeah, like train wreck type videos you can't look away from. Right. But ultimately, you are Pepsi Man. And the gameplay, uh, th and this is on the PlayStation. I, I should have said that earlier. Uh, so, again, you got this video of this guy grabbing a ton of Pepsis and chips, ready to play Pepsi Man. And then you start playing Pepsi Man. And this guy in a delivery vehicle is like, Pepsi Man, I'm out of Pepsi. It's it's uh, subtitled in Japanese. Even though this is a Japanese-only release, because Pepsi Man is only a Japanese thing, it is voiced in English. So, um, really over-the-top caricature-type type English. Um and but when you see the gameplay nowadays, you'll recognize it very quickly as kind of um, Temple Run or a lot of these mobile games. Yeah. Um, it almost kind of like has endless runner kind of endless runner, yep. endless runner kind of deal. 
and almost almost to me it almost has a um crash band bandicoot vibe too because it's yeah you can go left and right and it's not like you click into your lane like on a temple run or a game like that you you do kind of you can go back and forth and any degree back and forth over the top man he just fell into a garbage can now your legs are running with the garbage can on your head um and he can slide under things he can go left and right slide under he can jump over things yep um, he's running whole, through people's houses. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time, and this is a dude in a blue and silver leotard. He looks like a Pepsi can. That's uh, what I was going to say. It's not even a leotard. It's a unitard, right? Unitard. It's like one big bodysuit, <laughs> which is creepy. And he has no he's face. All muscular. It's just, he's all like muscular, he, but it's like one bodysuit. You know those when you go to like uh, football games and there's always the, the guy that wears like the full body leotard that you can't see his face or anything, but it's all blue and yellow because he's a Rams fan or whatever? Yep. That's exactly. what this is, except he's in a, it's blue and silver for Pepsi, silver, but you still yeah. can't see his face or anything. And the idea is you're going through each of the, one of these levels, collecting all the cans, soda cans you can, so you can help the vending or vending machine guy fill up the Pepsi. I don't know. He drinks a Pepsi at the end, so... You're supposed to get Pepsis. You're supposed to get as many as you can and get the screens clear and not run into things. It's kind of like Crash Bandicoot meets Paperboy. And yeah. apparently it's a good time. I mean, people really enjoy playing this game. It doesn't look like a bad game at all. I think it looks like a great game. It is weird that it's like Pepsi. And like now he's getting chased by a giant Pepsi can. Which looks more be- Crash Bandicoot because now it really is coming towards the screen just like Crash Bandicoot. But. And this is weird. I mean, shouldn't that be like a Coke can trying to kill you? We just got to get the Pepsi logo ingrained in your brain. What else were you going to say about this game? You had some more thoughts. No, no, it was the unitard. It was like the the dude looks like (laughs) Silver Surfer. Like, Yeah, that's a very uh, good way to explain him. Yeah, I mean, he looks like Silver Surfer, but like if it was was all silver, he would be Silver Surfer, but... And he's running through these streets. Like apparently, all the uh, cities are American cities. There's like New York, San Francisco. Like in New York, he goes in the subway. Well, um, all the dudes on the FMV segments are the full. Yeah, I guess it's full motion video. I mean, it is video. Yeah, all those like, dudes yeah. are just like your typical, slightly overweight Americans. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Pepsi yeah. man. Pepsi get man. It, get it from Japan, but yeah, I think I think these. Grab a pretty penny now, so play a play an emulated version of it. All right, Eric, your last one here, which I'm very interested in because I totally remember this cartoon. <clears throat> That's what I was going to ask you because this one was going to lead with your memory because this was a little past my cartoon prime. So this game is called Biker Mice from Mars, and it is double double licenses. So Mm. I'm going to tell you why. So the first, the primary license for this in the U S because this was also released in Europe in Europe, it had a double license and I'll tell you what that's about in the, in the U S this is based biker. Mike from Mars is based on an action animated series uh, created by Rick Unger, but it is a cartoon that came out in 1993, there we go, premiered in 93, last till 96. And it was supposedly a thing about biker mice from Mars. So did you see this? Did so you see this cartoon? There's a few cartoons, and this one was, I think, one of the later ones that 
absolutely tried to cash in on the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing. Oh, and this is absolutely one of them. I, I, there's a couple other uh, major ones as well, but, um, this this, you know, this is, that's what they're trying to do here. This, I mean, biker mice from Mars. What the heck does that mean? Yeah. So there is a race of anthropomorphic mice who enjoy motorsports and they have a culture and society of being bikers. Um, but they're from Mars for some reason. And, and there was, this was a whole (laughs) deal. This was a whole, had three seasons, 65 episodes. Executive producer was Stan Lee, so it wasn't like it was backed by some schmo. I mean, it was yeah. pretty much, you know, it was basically one of the production companies was Marvel Productions back in the day. This was, like I said, post, this was, you know, in the 90s, I was 20, you know, coming on to 25 years old. So I wasn't yeah. into yeah. watching cartoons or something, but. So I didn't see this. I didn't know anything about this, but it, it it's a crazy license, right? I mean, this fits Bike the bill for a real license. <laughs> now, in Europe, when this was released, they also licensed with Snickers. <laughs> so there's Snickers logos all in the PAL versions of this on the Super Nintendo um, in Europe. So like you when you're driving, like in the beginning of this game. So first I should explain what the game is. The game is based on on the comic, but it is a and I will tell you this, Cody, it is a solid racer on the Super Nintendo. I've seen so, that this game existed. I never in my mind thought that it would be a racer. So that I'm actually kind of excited watching the gameplay here. It's a racer and it has it has modes where it's just racing and it has modes where it's combat racing where you have weapons and you're firing at each other. Okay. Um but it is a game that is like a a 3D racing game in these arenas and it, isometric, isometric, 3D, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Seismic, yeah. So I was playing. I played this game for maybe about an hour, hour and a half to get ready for the show. And I, this is one I will be going back to because on the Super Nintendo, I can't think of a better racer on the Super Nintendo. I mean, I, as I was playing, I was like, "This is really great. This is a lot of fun." Cool. Um, and I never heard of it, so. That's that. Now, when you start the game and when you, in Europe, in the PAL versions, there'll be these signs for Snickers bars and they'll be like, when you start the game, you're you're going around in circles with the other racers and there's a big Snickers logo on the mat. So, I mean, it has multiple levels of weird licenses, but um, <laughs> I had never heard of this cartoon before, but it came out here and it was a popular one. Um. That's it. That's the weird license. But basically you ride motorcycles around. And one thing I read about this game, which I didn't really get into too much, is that every biker has his own special abilities. So some go faster, some go slower, some can throw different types of weapons. So you have to learn each racer and what they do, what they bring to the table. So it's a more complex game than just like grabbing a racer and they all do the same things. Every racer has unique abilities and unique weapons that you need to master. So the game doesn't get old right okay. away. Like, so, I mean, there, this one there's, a, there's a lot of depth to the game, too. So, And you can see the graphics are great. Yeah. I mean, colorful. Solid. Yeah. Cool. So anyway, that's my pick. Biker just, Mice from Mars. Just for the heck of it, I had to look this up because I know there's a ton of them. I couldn't think of them all. Of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle knockoff. So the Ninja Turtles came out, started out in like '87. So this would yeah. be like one of the last ones to try to pe- you know tap into that whole you know like you said anthropomorphic humanized animal 
craze, but I remember yeah. there being one about like cows. There's one about, um, <laughs> so here's one of them. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull up this website cause there's some good ones in here. And I remember most, oh, well, not most of these, but a lot of these. So samurai pizza cats. Oh, I mean, that's cat, the animals and then pizza. So there's just two things. Yeah. Samurai pizza cats. I don't remember extreme dinosaurs. Battle toads, the game obviously was a straight up, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. turtles, toads. Uh, but it wasn't a comic or anything. Here's Bike Bike Mice Mars right there. Okay. Um, here you go. The Wild West Cowboys of Moo Mesa. <laughs> this is the cow one. That sounds familiar <laughs> to me, too. Hmm. Um, I don't remember Avenger Penguins, Stone Protectors, Punk Frogs. I don't remember. Mighty Ducks. No, it's not. Here we go. Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars. I do remember that for sure. And we played a Bucky O'Hare game on the NES. We did, yeah. Super, super monkey super robot monkey team hyperforce go wow <laughs> um cyborgs, cyborgs pig like, like a human pig. Eye. yep yeah oops where's my are we not loading now where am we at oh yeah the page has pages unresponsive because there's too many advertisements blasting in my face Anyways, I remember some other ones, but um, yeah, even, and even the comics, like no. Now that you mentioned it, that makes total sense. adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, adolescent instead of teenage mutant radioactive black belt ninja hamsters turtles. I mean, they yeah. <laughs> they totally ripped that off. Yeah. Oh man, there's so many good. There's so many good ones, and they just keep going. Cold blooded chameleon commandos. There's a ton of them. Geriatric gangrene jiu-jitsu gerbils. <laughs> These are actual comics. G.I. <laughs> Jackrabbits. G.I. Jackrabbits. <laughs> oh, man. These are good. All right. I have to stop. I'm enjoying this too much. All right. I got last one That is my last here. pick. So what is your last pick? And so I, this I, is a game you beat, right? I did, but so this this goes back to my whole um, why are you picking this license now thing? Kind of yeah. just like Wendy, right? So this is a game. It's funny because I threw it out there on on Twitter, and Doug's like, "Oh, I used to watch that cartoon all the time." Yeah. I'm like, well, that kind of disproves my point, or it just shows that Doug's really old. I don't know one or the other. But uh, on the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1993, I believe. They released a super current cartoon video game called Felix the Cat. Yeah. You know, Felix the Cat, who, of course, is an iconic cartoon character, although I think most people have never actually seen a cartoon of Felix the Cat. But his heyday was... That makes me feel old, because I watched Felix the Cat all the time. Okay, so so maybe I'm completely wrong here, but I did research, because I'm like, I can't... That. (laughs) So anyway, his heyday was in the... before, Before music, or before talkies. Yeah, in twenty well, okay. twenty-two and before. Was, yeah, yeah, it's okay. heyday, That's right? Fair. Yeah, and then they re redid, uh, and then actually, it's, I guess Mickey Mouse started talking in the cartoons, and then so they tried to make Felix talk, and it was off-putting and weird, and no one dug it, so that got shut down real quick. And then they tried to revitalize it from nineteen fifty-nine to nineteen sixty-two for three years, mm-hmm. and then after that, pretty much nothing else came out until like the year i think like almost 2000 they tried to make a movie and it ended up going to made for video release so if you watch the cat you were watching the reruns from the 50s and 60s 
And it's only a three-year run of them. And that's when they c- tried to make him more interesting and gave him a magic bag. Anyway, magic bag of tricks. Magic bag of tricks. Which is funny, because again, doing research on this, uh, not having ever really seen a Felix the Cat cartoon, the funny thing about the magic bag of tricks is the main reason that he has a mag- magic bag of tricks, not that he has it, there's a bad like d- doctor or professor that wants to steal his bag of tricks. That's right. So Felix uses his bag of tricks to keep the doctor from taking his bag of tricks. That's right. It's like, if you just threw that thing away, all your problems would be solved. You just wouldn't have a bag of tricks. Dude, like, <laughs> now, don't, now you see that I'm not, I'm not looking at anything or listening to anything. Don't make me sing the Felix the Cat song, because I'll do it. The wonderful, wonderful cat? <laughs> Felix the Cat. The wonderful, wonderful cat. So it must have been... I mean, I knew that song when I was a kid. So it must yeah. have been something, but I'd never seen a Felix cartoon, comic, anything... I knew what he looked yeah. like, and I definitely wouldn't have thought to buy his game in 1993. Anyways, whether you got or not you agree that's obscure or not, whatever, the game is Felix the Cat. Yeah. On the NES. Dude, I, have a, I have a memory of watching the cartoon, and he would go like this. He would go like, radio, ah, 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 and he'd like hold his belly, and he'd go, ha, ah, and he'd like laugh. I totally have a memory of like watching that as a little kid. Like Radio. I watch that cartoon all the time. Right. So, I mean, maybe it would. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Right. But did you buy the video game in 1993? I did not. I did not. So, so here's the game. Felix the cat. Now okay. what I will tell you about this game, it is a platformer, straight up platformer. Mm-hmm. In fact, it looks very much like Super Mario three to me. In a very oh, good yeah. way. It really does. Yeah, you're right. Really does. So either they copied it extremely well, or I feel like there's a way, somehow they got their hands on the Super Mario 3 engine. Either they reverse engineered it or did something, because it is so accurate. It looks like a mix between Super Mario 3 and Kirby, because it's kind of pastel-y. Yeah. Um, it is not a difficult game. This is a game that I literally, and I would suggest if you want to do one of these, I do enjoy these types of games from time to time. You're like, I want to sit down for three hours and play a new Nintendo game, beat it from start to finish. You can do that here. That's not okay. to say it's devoid of challenge. If you yeah. are not good at platformers, this will be difficult. There are, it gets later levels get difficult, but you are Felix. Uh, you jump and run, and uh, you know you can't jump on on bad guys' heads. But imagine mm-hmm. Super Mario Three, but your main initial weapon is a little boxing glove that punches in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little thing that goes yeah like on the extendo arm but there's some cool features in this game that make it really interesting um so you're jumping on things you almost are never just felix your his magic bag of tricks constantly changes into different things yeah um and you can see there just like mario there's a hidden height like secrets and stuff in the clouds um so right off the bat you start off as felix but very quickly you will collect a few felix heads around the level You'll see it here. So he's holding his magic bag of tricks. He punches a few things, grabs a few Felix's heads. Once you get 15 Felix heads, every five Felix heads, a bunch of milk jugs pop out, and you have to collect those. You can collect those to get a bunch of points, which points don't really matter unless you're trying to high score this thing, which you might as well if you want to play it again, play it for score. Once you get 15 Felix heads, or 10, I'm sorry, 10, um, this thing pops out. It's heart. You grab that, and now you're Felix with a top hat on, and you're instead of a boxing yeah. glove, you have these stars that shoot out in all directions. 
You get another 10 of those, and all of a sudden you're driving the tank, which can jump magically, kind of like the Blaster Master game. Yeah. And now you shoot these gigantic balls that do all kinds of damage, and you're you're jumping. The thing is, the physics of how you jump and do things never changes, so it's always very controllable. Yeah. And unlike Mario, there's no momentum, so it's very precise. The game just always feels good. You always feel like you're in control. Um and they're shooting at things, and then uh, things that would normally take two shots only take one with the cannon. Um, you're playing through worlds, but it, it changes a lot, because once you get to world two, now it's based off of floating. So you're yeah. like, um, you originally start in a hot air balloon. And you and those get, cannons look exactly like the ones from Mario. That's pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah, even the clouds take shapes like in Mario. So anyways, in this second stage, it's kind of focused on flying through the sky, and you start out in a hot air balloon. You can upgrade to a plane, a biplane. You can upgrade to all kinds of things. Um, oops, this is now we're on a different game. Actually, this is a game I played as a kid, too. Oh, my goodness. That, bring, that brings back memories. Um, different worlds, different levels. There's nine worlds altogether, so it's not... Uh, I mean, even though you'll play through it pretty quick, it's not a terribly short game. There's a lot to play. It's enjoyable. There's secrets to find, things to collect. Um, you know, eventually there's swimming levels. The swimming levels are actually pretty fun. And they have their own set of things. You're riding a turtle in this case and avoiding bubbles and things that uh, crabs are blowing up from the bottom. It's just a game that kind of keeps reinventing itself. And the gameplay is solid and fun. It's vibrant. It's exciting. The music, I would say, is the down point because the music is specific to whatever you're riding on. So you'll hear a lot of the same music. Um, and then you end up battling this professor at the very end, and you beat the game. Uh, this person played did. it through in 52 minutes. I probably took two hours, but I beat the game. I think I, I lost two lives. Um, there's a few other little hiccups to it, or not hiccups, but specifics about it that make it different than most platforms, the way you you... Your health works, and there's kind of timer. You, I know you hate timers, Eric, but like when you get the the cannon, you've got these yeah. ten hearts up above, and they slowly tick away. If they go down, then you go you drop down a power up, and then you have ten that tick away. Then you drop down another power up. So there's not really health in this game. It's more just what power ups you have, and if you get hit, you go down a power up. Yeah. Um, Does it have bosses? Yep. Every, the end of every world has a boss. Okay. This game, it seems like it would have been very Solid popular game. back in the day. Do you well, know the, how popular it was? It wasn't, and the reason is it came out in 1993 when the Super Nintendo was already out. Okay. So, so at this it point... Later, it was a much later game in its life. Yep, and then how are you going to fight the Super Nintendo? Well, you're going to make a game about a character from the 20s and 50s. So there we go. My final game, Felix the Cat for the Nintendo. I actually do recommend it. It was a great time. I wouldn't say it's a top so 20 Nintendo game, but it's top 50. It's good. Yeah. It's solid. Cool. No, it looks great. Eric, we done. We did it. We did this thing. And I didn't even light any incense. Oh, man. No? Well, you know what they say. <laughs> now I got to cut you. That's what they all say with your Kershaw. <laughs> with my Kershaw knife. I might have another knife in the mail. It should be here tomorrow. Just saying. Oh. Just saying. The Civivi Elementum. Did you hear about that one? I have. It's a, it's a popular one. I, mean, I got one coming Civivi, tomorrow in yeah, like orange. I, I, in orange. 
I thought about getting a Civivi because they count they they have models in orange. And I saw one in there. And I was like, yeah. oh, that looks really cool. No, I got one coming tomorrow. I'll take a picture for you. Cool. All right, Eric. Well, next month we've got two more episodes coming your way with Tim coming back. Um, yep. We're gonna have to pontificate on topics. Yep. Got and a few look out in for mind, our bonus but... episode. Look out for our bonus episode called uh-huh. "Knives, Knives, Knives." <laughs> stab, stab, stab. <laughs> <laughs> Stabby. Just kidding. all right, Eric. Well, I look forward <laughs> to talking to you in March, about May, June. Is it? Wow, it's gonna be June already. Yeah, we're going to be sweltering in summer heat. Well, we're going to have to figure that out, and I'll tell you why later. And you listeners, can next episode, can find out why, but I'm not going to mention it on the show right now. <laughs> but <laughs> I will talk to you about it just shortly here, Eric. But for everyone okay. else, please remember, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1-1-4-9. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. I'll get you next time, Pixel Gaiden.